Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast. This is episode 82, Rage Against the War Machine Recap. I covered the rally. Looking at the views, looks like most of you saw it. What are your thoughts about the event? So that stream has over 30,000 views right now. So apparently uh, a lot of people did want to see it. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Zach. You are going to be first on the mic. What's up, Zach? Hey, Savvy. How's it going? And I have to fix my volume here. Okay, let's try again. What's up, Zach? All right. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Right on. Um, so I thought the um, the mar the marches were awesome. I have a few comrades on here that went to them, and that was great. Um, I I wanted to. Oh, man, I just lost the plot of my what I was going to say, but um, so I wanted to ask you what you thought about the the propaganda and the infighting that is being propagated with this event. Uh, you talked a little bit about agitators and infiltrators. So I wanted to, excuse me, um, get, get like talk about that for a little bit. And um, from your perspective of, of the March. Sure thing. Um, from the very beginning, when this uh, protest was announced, there were already people attacking it. And it's it's usually the same usual suspects, as I like to call them, uh, the same people who spend most of their time attacking Jimmy Dore, attacking uh, any um, type of, of action on the outside, any type of action that does not, I guess, go along with the Democratic Party uh, talking point. Uh, any type of action that is not uh, involving electoral politics, it, it seems like. Um, so Jimmy Dore is the easy target. That's the one people tend to go at, after. So if Jimmy Dore is a part of an action, people usually will go after him, right? If it's not him and it's Jackson Hinkle, then they'll come after Jackson Hinkle. If it's neither one of them, they'll still find a reason to attack it. And I've seen this happen multiple times. I saw it happen with the Medicare for All marches. I've seen this happen uh, when we were trying to do Camp Dada. I saw people come after and attack that, which was absolutely ridiculous. There were no big names assigned to Camp Dada. It was just a group of activists uh, coming together to do a camping event and talk about solutions and talk about uh, Skillshare. I still have to post that, um, that video because I did uh, vlog that. So I think there is a pattern of behavior here that I have noticed where there are certain groups that regardless of what you do, if it's outside of electoral politics and working with the, the Democratic Party and supporting like the squad or whatever, they're going to smear it as right wing. Uh, everyone is automatically a Nazi now. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but that was really demoralizing. Yeah, that part was really demoralizing to me because um I, I unfortunately live in a small town, so I could only support from watching it. But like, the, just the what the the rally was about, we can't even come together to stop a nuclear war. I mean, come on! I, it really kind of broke my heart. We can't really come together for anything unless 
it is it involves electoral politics. I mean, look at the reaction from people in reference to not supporting Marianne Williamson. Some people lost their shit because they just that this is all they know. This is all they know how to do. And so when you tell them, let's mobilize people in the streets, this is foreign to them. And honestly, I'll be I'll be real with you. Some people just don't feel like doing it. Let's just keep it real. So I think that you're always going to have these types of attacks and criticisms. I want you guys to remember that when you look at something like the civil rights movement, that was attacked too. There were infiltrators that were a part of that. There were infiltrators that were a part of the Black Panther Party. Uh, that's been shown multiple times in documentaries and also with the recent movie, uh, Judas the Messiah. They showed that. So there's always going to be infiltrators. And no, it is not easy to deal with. Uh, you have to kind of weed people out. But I think most of us have seen that some of these people, uh, they kind of reveal their self over time. And I think that's something that you do need to pay attention to. So for me, like this is why a lot of times I don't even argue with these individuals on Twitter. I just ignore them. Most of them have been muted or blocked at some point. So I, I think it's just it's it's really interesting that I can understand even if you disagree with it and you don't support it. Okay. Do you, boo? Do you? But what was strange is when you have numbers of people trying to convince people not to go to the rally, all to the point where they're on Twitter 24-7 saying, don't go to this, don't support this, da-da-da-da. And it's like, look, if you don't support it, fine, just don't go. But what's really strange is you using all your time and energy to try to convince other people not to support it. That's what makes me look at you with a side eye. If I notice that every time these events are happening, you jump in online on Twitter. First of all, I don't know if all these people have jobs or not. Like it's apparent to me, maybe they're not working and they're spending most of their time on Twitter. If you're spending more of your time on Twitter trying to attack direct action events, and you're not willing to use that same energy to criticize your own politicians who continue to screw you over, who continue to not provide for your own community like they said that they would, and you're hesitant to criticize any of these squad members that represent your district, that right there lets me know that you continue to support the Democratic Party. You may not be as loud about it, because you don't want to be criticized by some people that you may be in community with or maybe comrades with, or you want them to think that you're not for the Democratic Party, but secretly you are. And there's a lot of that going around too. So I think that for me, I want people to understand, like I told Eric earlier tonight on the show, I have several criticisms about Jackson Hinkle, but it's not a secret. RBN has had these discussions with Jackson Hinkle. But at the same time, I want you to understand, even if Jackson Hinkle was not a speaker at this event, then they would have pivoted to Jimmy Dore. Or they some other excuse. They'll find somebody else to pivot to because they want to kill the momentum for the event and they want to kill the support for it. And I I was so thankful that uh, Rising reached out to ask me to come on to talk about it because I had to get this off of my chest. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, no, I just had a uh, two more things. I the first one was that that guy you interviewed. That that is what you were just talking about. That was insane. Like, 
not even we're trying to build something to change the world, but having a conversation about, you know, what you guys did. And he, he was so divisive that you couldn't have a constructive conversation. That really blew my mind. Yeah, you're not going to change the world with just a handful of people. And I yeah. want people to understand, too, that even when you look at the civil rights movement in the beginning, those actions were small. They started small, but then they started to grow. Right. That is what they're trying to prevent from happening. They don't want it to grow. But this idea that you can only organize with people that agree with you on every single issue. Good luck building a movement. And some of the same people who say that they want a class movement across this country, you really think you're going to get a class movement only with people on the left? Hell, some of the lefties don't want a class movement. Some of the lefties are comfortable financially exactly where they are, and they really don't want to be marching out in the streets for other people's poor ass. I'm just going to keep it real. They not really try to go that length, boo. If they were trying to go that length, they would have done that already. Yep. Um, and then the last thing I had to say was I... I only have one critique for the marches in that I wish they would have done it on a model like um, the Medicare for All marches where there there were more cities. But um, all in all, I think it was a positive move towards progress. Yeah, there were other cities. Um, unfortunately, I don't think... I don't think it got a lot of attention. Like, for example, there was a Rage Against the War Machine rally in Seattle and in L.A., uh, Marcus from Political Matrix, he streamed the L.A. rally. And I, I want to say I thought there was another one. I, I just can't remember all the locations, but I hear what you're saying. Like, what if we would have had like these protests in 50 cities across the country or 50 states across the country? Um, no, actually, 50 cities across the country, just like uh, the Medicare for all marches were two years ago. I totally understand that, too, because the reality is there were a number of people that reached out to me and said they wish they could be there, but they just couldn't. Um, they couldn't make it to DC. Yep, I just want to shout out my comrade uh, Amanda. She put in the chat, San Francisco was where her and another friend of ours um, uh, went. So um, I liked hearing their stories. And yeah, just we need to organize more. And um, last thing, um, I, I would want to, because I'm disabled, please try to make any event you plan or organize or go with somebody as accessible as possible because um, there might have been some disabled people that couldn't attend because accessibility issues. And um, yeah, just uh, keep that in the back of your head and uh, keep on the fight. Great, great saying there, Zach. I really appreciate you saying that too. That's another thing that uh, can be difficult sometimes with organizing is just remembering, don't forget people from the disabled community uh, some people may need an, an access ramp if they're using a wheelchair. Um, so there are people that would like to get out there and attend some of these events, but it does need to be a uh, handicap. Um, I don't like the word handicap. It does need to be uh, accessible for everybody. So that's a really good point uh, to bring up. Let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. What's up, Karthik? How are you? Oh, hey, Savvy. What's up? Uh... So I have a question for you. I guess I, this could be applied to a lot of people, but I I, I know in RBN you get a guys attack get attacked a lot, unfortunately. Um, so like, how, how how do you deal with all the criticisms and all the uh, you know dishonest negative feedback from the uh, NATO left, the uh, Bernie Sanders industrial complex? 
honestly, Karthik, a lot of that, those uh, attacks happen on Twitter, to be honest with you. I told you guys, Twitter can be, there's good things about Twitter, there's bad things about Twitter, but Twitter can be particularly uh, toxic at times. Um, I don't interact with those those people. I've, most of those people I've tried to explain these things to before, and then I realized like by their responses, they're just not operating in good faith. And I'm talking about especially people that have known me for quite some time. Uh, that are smearing me, calling me right wing or, you know, calling me Jimmy Dore, like uh, simp or whatever, that kind of thing. Like, I agree with Jimmy Dore on most of the issues. I don't agree with some of the others on most of the issues because they have pivoted from supporting progressive policies at all costs. Some of them have pivoted to let's just go along with Joe Biden. I don't agree with that. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a registered independent. So I am not one of those people who's going to say vote blue no matter who. I'm not. That's just not who I am. And I think for some of us, when I said Bernie or bust, I really meant that. Bernie or bust. I didn't mean Bernie or let's just support Joe Biden. I didn't mean that. <laughs> so for me, you know, I think some people still do have a little bit of Trump derangement syndrome. They have that fear of we could get Trump again or we could get someone uh, like Trump again. But I think as long as you have that fear, it's going to be really hard to get people or to get those people to say, you know what, I'm not supporting the Democratic Party anymore, even though I'm not getting anything from them in return. But for me, like, honestly, those people on my end, they're either muted or they're blocked. So a lot of these comments and criticisms, I don't even see. <laughs> so I don't even see it. It's, it's usually when someone contacts me and says, this is what this person said about you. And they'll send me a screenshot. But most of the time, like, I don't even see that stuff. It's just not, I don't think it's healthy to argue with people back and forth on Twitter. I just really don't. And I don't think it's healthy to honestly look at that stuff all the time either. You could be doing so much more with your day, you know? Yeah, that's a great uh, way to look at it. Um, are you guys surprised? Because I saw your show today uh, on from RBN. It was a great Tuesday show, as always. But um, are you guys surprised that Rachel Maddow covered the rally? Because pretty much like most rallies, like the establishment never covers it. Like I, I don't think they covered the uh, Medicare for All rally. Um, I am surprised that she covered the rally, um, but I think the reason why the Medicare for All rally wasn't covered is because it was in multiple cities across the country. And we had about 100 people that came to the one in Boston, but it's not like we had a thousand people. You know what I mean? So I think that had the numbers been larger for those rallies, maybe mainstream media would have picked up on it. Local news covered it uh, here in Boston. But I think that in order for it to even get on their radar, you really have to have the numbers, right? So why did they cover the George Floyd protests? They had the numbers. So I think uh, that's key. But yeah, I am surprised she covered it. I wasn't surprised she covered it the way that she did because that's what she does. I don't think anybody should look at her as a source of credibility at this point because Rachel Maddow, again, she was a big supporter of the Russiagate narrative. Uh, from what I've seen, she has not apologized for her coverage in reference to Russiagate, even though that has been uh, proven as as incorrect information. And so she still makes $30,000 a day to tell people lies. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I think what a lot of people that you know either support Russiagate or thought it might be true is that they, I, I don't think they realized that like a Russiagate was kind of like the preparation for this war and further um, conflicts with Russia. You know, because it tried to make us believe that Putin and, and and all Russians are just a bunch of crazies, and you know, there's no point in trying to understand what they think or their their motivations. And because the establishment is still acting like uh, Putin's some crazy man and, and he didn't have like a real uh, mo- motivation for this war. Right. And and for me, I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, I was never one of those people that cheered on Putin or cheered on Russia at all. I was never one of those people. But I will say this, Russia has been smeared ever since I was a kid and, and probably even before that. Ever since I was a kid, there was like all this fear mongering about Russia and even if you come to the Maparium here in Boston, the Maparium is connected to the uh, the Maddie. Uh, it's the woman who started uh, Christian Science or uh, Scientology, not Scientology, but Christian Science. Um, if you go to that library, the Baker Library, there's a museum in there called the Maparium. If you go to the Maparium, one of the cool things is like you're actually standing inside of a globe. And they tell you about different continents and countries. And you know what I notice? When they go to Russia and they highlight Russia, all of a sudden the music changes from something happy and upbeat and it goes to dun, 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 dun. And it says, Russia, you formerly known as the Soviet Union. So there's even propaganda there. <laughs> when you go to the museum, it's just like, uh, it's always been that way as long as I've been alive. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to act like uh, the uh, Russia is still uh, communist, even though they're capitalists like us. Now. And then the last thing I'll say before I go is specifically about Rachel Maddow. Uh, I'm happy you guys covered that. Um, she's like considered uh, uh, entertainment in court, based on what her lawyers said. Mm-hmm. And what people might not know is that I 20 years ago, I well, I, I think who Rachel Maddow is now compared to 20 years ago, I, I think it's a perfect demonstration of what power can do to you. And with all the money, because, and I, I just to be clear, I have no idea if this is true or not. But when I was a TYT viewer many, many years ago, because Jake and Rachel Maddow were friends because they were both on the same radio station, like 20 years ago, I think. And he said that uh, when Rachel first started out in radio, like 2002 or whatever, she sounded so left wing um, that she sounded like a communist. And to think where like she's like maybe like a communist back then compared to where she is now just shows how power and money can corrupt. I didn't realize Rachel Maddow sounded like that back then, but yeah, you're hundred percent correct. Uh, they go along with the mainstream media narrative and those people make a lot of money. You guys, those commentators for channels like CNN, MSNBC, like those people make a lot of money to tell lies. Um, I think, Karthik, she sounded like that because it was 2002. And it's easy to sound left-wing when there's a a Republican president. Um, I think you're probably talking about Air America. Yeah, I think it was either Sirius or Air America. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, she was on Air America with the Saturday Night Live uh, comedian who became a senator. Um, What's his name? What's his name? Al Franken from Minnesota. Yes, yes, Al Franken. Yes. Oh yeah, it's too bad, Air America, that that didn't stick around, huh? Because that was supposed to be 
um, that was supposed to be like a way for independent media to kind of have its own like true network. And it's too bad that that didn't, that didn't work out. Yeah. Roger, you're definitely right about sounding radical and there's Republican. It's because it seems like both Bernie and Nina have been sounding more radical since the Republicans got into power a few months ago. Yeah. yeah even the squad sounded cares. more radical when Trump was in office. You know, they were very bold. Rashida Tlaib said, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. You guys remember that? <laughs> I have it. I have it on good authority that if you eliminate parties at the, the so the national parties need a state party in order to exist. So I have it on good authority that if you eliminated the parties at the state level, the national would crumble. So talking about this thing that you talked about with, I'm trying to say this before the customer gets to me. Um, when you're talking about, oh, he's not, Biden's not going to Ohio because it's no longer a, a, a swing state. They gave up on it like they give up on the Midwest and they give up on states. They don't even try to bother to get them back. If we didn't have parties, he probably would have been there. Probably. I'm not saying he would have. But this is the this is the bullshit that we got to deal with when it comes to, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet that if we had no parties, you'd probably see a lot more impeachment hearings. Because, you know, like there's no attachment. Yep. You know what I mean? There's no attachment. I was like, I don't know who that motherfucker is. He he ran for president. He decided to do this. Let's impeach him. Let's impeach the motherfucker. You probably see a lot more investigations. You yep. probably see a lot more impeachments. You see a lot more presidents getting thrown the fuck out of office. But because we got these parties, I got to play the protection racket. That's right, because they wouldn't have the party to back them. You're 100% correct. Let's go ahead and bring in the wonderful Robin. Uh, go ahead, Eric. I'll go to you first, and then we'll go to Robin. Do you, um, do you, did you used to listen to Air America? That's going back a ways, Sabrina. I heard about Air America after the fact. I remember listening back in the day, and, and yeah, Al Franken was on, and it was just, it, it was a totally, like, different time, you know? <laughs> and we were, it was like we were all Democrats, and... <laughs> And, you know, looking back on it, I mean, it all seems very naive and, and whatnot. But I, I remember, you know, hearing about this weird senator, Bernie Sanders, that no one had ever heard of. I heard about him, heard him first on Air America. And it was like this person, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who was studying bankruptcy. And she was, you know, talking about the, the two income trap. And it was it was just um, it was just a different time. And it, it, it was. Um, it was a, a step, I'd say, along along my political journey of, of awakening, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, it was an important step. I mean, it was you know, I mean, I was ahead of the curve on everybody about Bernie, you know, when when no one had, had heard of him. I'm like, oh, he's my favorite senator. Was what I would have said before he even ran. Yep. So yep. It's, it's interesting how these things gotta develop and evolve. I got introduced to him by Ed Schultz yeah. and Tom Hartman. Yeah, I was about to say, I there think it was go. Tom Hartman's show that Bernie Sanders went on, like, back in the day. But Ed Schultz was the dude. He was the blue yep. dude. I was so, bro, I nearly cried when he died. I was just like, oh, man, we lost a good, that was a blue-collar motherfucker. Let's get to work. Yeah. Yes, 
Let's get to work. This is for those who take a shower after work or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, Robin, what's going on? Hey, Sabby. Hey, how are you? What's your take on all of this? I'm pretty sure you've heard a lot about this by now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Um, I wanted to say that, you know, although I wasn't there in person at the Rage Against the War Machine, I did watch it on live stream as it was going on. Um, you know, I had I started a little bit late because, you know, my Sunday school class ended at noon uh, central time. So I had to like, you know, as soon as I dropped off somebody that I take to church with me and then, you know, as, as soon as he got out the car, I, you know, I, I put it on double time, you know, to try to catch up on everything, you know, and I watched it all the way through. And then when it was done with, uh, you know, the stuff at the the uh, the Lincoln Memorial, then I switched over to your stream and then I had to go back because part of the stream that I was watching didn't have like uh, Max Blumenthal and Chris Hedges and some other kind, you know, a couple of other people and stuff. So, you know, then I had my phone and my iPod going, my iPad going. So I watched it. And then when I was watching, um, the stream that I was on had a, uh, about 3.8 thousand viewers, you know, live at that time. And that was just one stream. So I, you know, people try to poo-poo it and say, oh, it wasn't that many people. You take into account the people that were watching online like me. It was a lot of people that were invested into this Rage Against the War Machine thing. Yeah, I honestly am surprised I got as many views as I did because there were multiple people there streaming the event. It wasn't just me. Um, KRTD Media was streaming. People's Party was also streaming. Um, I think some of them came on late. I think I think there was a period early on where you were like like one of the very few, and a lot of people jumped on to catch it. Oh, okay. That that is about maybe eighteen hundred. I think it, I think it, maybe it peaked out at. Yeah, like that that it was just crazy. It was unreal. Like I, I couldn't believe it was that many people. That's why when I was when I got home, by the time I got back home here, I saw that. I think it was last night it, it said like 28,000. And then this morning I saw it said 30,000 views. And I was just really surprised. I did not expect that. I, I think the most views I've gotten from a rally was the Julian Assange rally in October. And that was like 8,000. But for me to get 30,000 views with this rally, that just goes to show you. And it's not just me. Go look onto the gray, the gray zone. I think there's got over 50,000 KRTD Media, I think theirs got over 20,000. Like almost everybody that I've checked so far that streamed it got thousands and thousands of views. Right. So it just goes to show you people were more interested in it than we realized. People are hungry for this. Exactly. And so, you know, you have to take into, people have to take into account, like for me, you know, I actually had to work on President's Day. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't go. But another thing is too, is like, you know, if people can't afford a carton of eggs, then yeah, they're going to have a hard time going to Washington, D.C., but if they've already paid for their internet or whatever, they're going to chime in, you know, on online and participate that way. So again, a lot of people are saying that this is not like Rachel Maddow saying, oh, well, you know, this is just a, a little bitty thing or whatever of Russian uh, propagandists and whatever. No, that's not it at all, you know. And they they're trying to uh, purposefully obfuscate 
what's really going on and what the what the pulse of the uh, American people is regarding this conflict in Ukraine. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah and so, uh, you know, like I said, I, I had my phone going. I had my iPad going when I came home and stuff. Um, I will say I probably saw everything. I didn't see the video of Cynthia McKinney. Um, does anybody, if anybody has that video that, you know, I guess she gave, if somebody could put that in the chat or whatever, I didn't see whatever she said. I the think video, I saw yeah. The video I saw of Cynthia McKinney is on the people's party's, uh, YouTube oh, channel. Okay. Okay. But okay. So I, I saw that one, uh, but it seemed like it almost, it didn't give the, the full spectrum of whatever it was she was going to say, like. It gave like a minute or two minutes of it or something, and then it kind of cut off. But if that's what it is, then okay, then I saw that. Um, and then also, too, I remember in one of your other streams, you said that you were going to speak in front of the the uh, White House. Um, I didn't see that. Is there a video of that anywhere? No, I got – so let me tell you what happened. Um, so, yeah, I was supposed to speak in front of the White House. The problem is – when I left the Lincoln Memorial, I should have left when the speakers left. So I was at the front of the line. I didn't do that because mm-hmm. I was getting interviews with people. So I was towards the back of the line. And by the time I got to the White House, I was pulled in so many different directions. And that part wasn't as, I will say that part wasn't as um, organized like when we got there. Cause I think people were kind of scattered and that's part of that is on me. I, I should have been at the front with the other speakers. That way I could know what was what happening saw, at that point. But what I saw on another video, it looked like it was just Nick Brana passing a mic around. Yeah, that part, that is one part I forgot to mention on the stream. I think there was some confusion over that piece, like who was supposed to speak at the White House and like how that was going to work and how that was going to be handled. And part of the problem is um, not everybody walked to the White House. Like some people left after after the Lincoln Memorial. Granted, they did tell people, they said, look, um, we're going to walk to the White House now. They made it very clear. They made that announcement multiple times. And I think some people just got lost in the shuffle. Like not everybody walked to the White House. So that was part of the problem too, but it seems like, yeah, that piece was a little bit, maybe not as, as organized. Also, I was also an, a last minute ad. So for me, like I had reached out to one of the organizers and asked them if there's anything you need for me, let me know if there's anything you need before Sunday. And I talked to Misty and Misty said like they're, they were really swamped. So I think part of that got lost in the shuffle. But either way, I think that piece there wasn't as maybe that piece may need some work. So I think for me, that is one other thing I would. I'm speaking. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I think that is one other thing I would change because once I started doing the march, I got pulled in so many different directions. You'll see that, like watching the live stream, like one minute I'm talking to Garland Nixon, next thing I know, I ran into pasta, like stuff like that, and then some people just got lost in the shuffle. So. Uh, one of the people that did speak, I did hear speaking when I was uh, got to the White House was Uhuru. So I think one thing that could be done differently in the future is to have all the speakers speak at the same place. Because I, I think the people at the Lincoln Memorial would have really liked to hear what the Uhuru movement had to say. 
And like I said, not everybody marched from the Lincoln Memorial to the White House. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to record the speech you would have given in front of the White House or that you did give in front of the White House and then post it on your, uh, you know, your channel so we could see what you would have said? Yeah, I got to find it. I I have it. I have my notebook. I wrote it down. I got to find it. But yeah, I can do that. So you guys can hear what I was going to say, because what I did in my speech is I connected this war and other wars to the mainstream media narrative. That's what I did. I connected those two, Um, which would have been good, I think, for people to hear, because the other speeches, they didn't do what I did. Um, But that's fine. Like everybody had a different angle that they talked about. And one thing I will say, I think that there was a lot of confusion in reference to who was invited and how they were invited. And this was something I did not find out until I got there. Uh, Jimmy Dore had a comedy show the night before the event. And so he invited us, I think all the speakers, actually, he gave us like free tickets to the show. And that was where I found out it was Max Blumenthal. By the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but Max Blumenthal can do like stand-up comedy apparently or something. But he did like part of the show with Jimmy. And one of the things, part of his routine was he said for the people who were upset that they weren't invited, they should have did what the other speakers did and reached out to the organizers and asked them if they could speak at the event. That's how I found out. And and um, Max's wife, um, uh, Pr- Priya, how do you say her, her name? Priya? Anya Parenpil. Anya. I always want to call her Priya. I think because she reminds me of a friend I had <laughs> named uh, Priya. Um, but Anya... Uh, also mentioned that in her speech, she mentioned that that's what people did. So I think that's where some of the confusion came from. I think that people just, we all assumed that the people who were speakers, all of them were personally invited. And what I came to find out is that was not necessarily the case. So I think when I've done organizing in the past, like the organizers are the ones who do invite all of the speakers. So like when I was at the Assange rally and I spoke there, you know, Misty and the rest of them for free uh, action for Assange, they invited the speakers. So that's just kind of what I'm used to. But yeah, it was that part there. I think through people, through some people for a loop. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, I would like to think that, um, given some of the feedback that this rally has received in terms of uh, being the, the need for being more diverse and things like that. I think when the next rally occurs and I am hopeful that there will be a next rally, actually I'm more hopeful that we will end this war before there's a need for another rally. But in the event that there is a need for another rally, I would like to think that, you know, they would, uh, do a self-correction and include some of those organizations and things that, you know, um, and people that you and the Revolutionary Blackout Network, uh, you know, wanted to, uh, would have included as part of this rally. I think that would be helpful. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that that will take place. Now, yeah, there is another, I, I want to give everybody just an update. 
There is another uh, Peace in Ukraine rally in March uh, being hosted by Code Pink and Black Alliance for Peace. So there is another one in D.C. that's coming up. I believe that one is outside of the White House. So I'll, I'll make sure to promote that one again as well. That's great. Um, so now let's talk about your boy, Eric Jordan, <laughs> that was on here tonight. Uh, Eric London. Oh, whatever. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, wait. <laughs> Sorry about that. Eric London. London Bridges. He, his whole thing was falling down. Okay, let's say that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my falling, God, Robin. Falling down. <laughs> my fair lady. You know, the whole thing. <laughs> okay, so... You know, I'm listening to this dude. I'm trying to figure out what's going on or whatever. You know where I come from, from a political standpoint and stuff. And so then, you know, he starts talking about Shama Shawant and everything, you know. And again, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not on the left or anything like that, but I've listened to enough RBN. I've listened to enough Bree, you know, with her Bad Faith podcast and stuff. I've listened to Shama on your stream as well to have a pretty good idea of where she's coming from. And then I'm hearing this man come on here and just try to say that she's no better than AOC and blah, 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 you know? And so then when he started talking about, oh, well, you know, read my, read these articles or whatever that are on there. I actually went out there. I Googled the articles and stuff and I put a link to one of the articles a couple of times in there uh, on the stream and I actually read that article and I read another article that was posted back in March of 2021 or whatever, where they were accusing the socialist alternative of being nothing more than, I guess, an arm of the Democrat Party and all of this other kind of stuff. And so because, you know, because I'm like, OK, if you're making this case, I want to go out there and actually read this stuff. And so I'm reading it and everything. And then, you know, a lot of it was, oh, well, you know, um, you know, uh, Jayapal backed her back in 2015 or she backed Jayapal in 2015 and stuff. It's like, okay, well, that doesn't surprise me. You know, if you think that um, Jayapal was was sincerely a part of the left back in 2015, this was before the initial uh, Bernie movement in 2016. And everything that's not surprising and then he she he said that he she attended a fundraiser for somebody named larry gossett uh who back in 2015 uh sponsored building some youth prison or whatever now i will say you know that sounds kind of you know sus or whatever but sabby please have shama come back on your you know your show or whatever, and have her explain that, or whatever, but the thing was, is that all he could say was, she attended the fundraiser, she didn't sponsor the fundraiser, she, he didn't say, other than whatever, whatever ticket that maybe she bought, that, you know, she was actively campaigning for this man, or whatever, she just showed up, from all I could say, then he goes to, like, 2018, he's talking about how, you know, they were supporting ALC, well, so was everybody else on the left in 2018. Glenn Greenwald supported AOC. You know, 
Um, all kinds of people were supporting AOC in 2018. And here I am, a libertarian, you know, tr- speaking up for Shama Sawat. To go figure <laughs> type of deal, you know? And well, now- that's why I did ask him, Robin. I said, what was the date? Right. What year was this? Because back then, all of us were supporting, well, all of right. us that are listening that were part of the so- Bernie movement, all of us were supporting them. So a lot of this was 2015, 2015, 2018, you know, and then um, 2016 and 2020, she supported, Ber- the, uh, she and the DSA, I'm sorry, the uh, Socialist Alternative supported Bernie Sanders. So did everybody else on the left again, you know. So did so, I. <laughs> right. So, again, you know, so, and he never would give those dates. But like I said, I I actually, while while you were you were on the live stream, I'm literally reading these articles, you know, to try to figure out and make my own timeline. Since he told me, since he said, Google it, that's what I did. I Google it and I started reading it and everything. And so um, now where I would say that things, you know, if you have her back on your show again, or if RBN has, uh, has her back on um, now, they did say in one of the articles that in December 2020, she announced that she was going to uh, support the DSA or whatever. And so this was around the time, I would say, um, not only in December 2020, but then they, they made an article in March of 2021 trying to say that, oh, this is just another arm of the Democrat Party. This is the time around the force to vote thing. Now, I don't know if she said that she was going to put her support uh, and join the DSA before forced to vote or if it was after forced to vote around that December 2020 timeframe. Right. Um, but the article that they, that they made in March, 2021 was making it seem like, you know, she was just sheep herding people into the Democrat party by joining the DSA. So I would say that, you know, uh, again, I I didn't do that much research other than reading their own articles, you know, where was she or where was the socialist alternative um, when it came during that time frame and what they were looking at doing. Um, But the overarching thing, when I was reading all of these articles, uh, you know, to kind of tie and try to figure out where he was throwing all of these bombs were, it's basically where I would say most of the left was um, between 2015 and 2020, which is most of the people on the left, from what I can read, were actually following Bernie Sanders' lead, which was they legitimately thought that you could move the Democratic Party to the left. And that's what I think. And so if you give the socialist alternative a good faith representation, I think they legitimately thought that you could do that. But as soon as they realized that that is not possible, then they became a part of the post duopoly left that you and uh, Nick and everything talk about and the in the revolutionary blackout network. Yep, and and then from what I'm seeing is that the uh, this world socialist whatever it is, they are not giving them the credit, and so they're saying so he's saying, well, we never fell for that trap. 
okay, you know, good for you. Here's a cookie, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, every, everybody is on their own journey. And like I've told you, I'm on my own journey in terms of my political beliefs and affiliations and, and what I feel and think like that or whatever. And so, you know, I've come a long way. And so you've got to give people, you know, like I said, from a Christian perspective, grace and mercy to, to make their own path in their own journey. And I'm willing to give Shama and the socialist alternative, the benefit of the doubt that they were making good faith efforts as most people on the left were when they were connected to AOC, when they were connected to Camilla Jayapal or whatever. And again, if they saw it before anybody else, good on them. But once these people come along, don't stop on them and say, well, you weren't with us when we were, you know, yelling this or whatever. No, gather them up with you and say, let's move on together and bring other people with us. Don't demonize them. That's terrible. And so, so now, again, it seems like he's so bent on or maybe the World Socialist website is so bent on, you know, raising this flag of saying, we knew it before anybody else. Okay, fine. You knew it before anybody else. But now you're turning other people off and nobody wants to be with you. <laughs> yeah, I think. And I want to bring Noel in on, on this discussion as well, because it was really strange to me. I, I do understand that they are Trotsky's. Uh, they're not Marxists, so it's a little bit different. Um, But they don't really feel like you can find a middle road. So when I was talking to him about organizing, that was never going to break through Mm -hmm. because they don't believe that, no, you can't like organize with people outside of like you have to stay within the people in your lane. You can't organize with other people. And I'm like, that's not how you create mass movements across this country. That really isn't. And like I said, like if the rally wasn't for you, then it wasn't for you. Um, And people are free to organize their own events and things like that. But it did seem kind of strange to me that he was trying to basically still fault people for politicians they supported many years ago. I mean, right. let's go all the way back to Obama. That's why I told him, I was like, hell, I supported Obama in, in 08. A lot of us did. But you have to give people room to grow. And I'm sorry that we didn't catch on as early as you did. But we did eventually catch on. So why are you still trying to hold people accountable for those kind of things, even though they evolved? Noel, what's your take on all this? Um, I think when I was listening to him tonight, it occurred to me that there are two different objectives going on. The rage against the war machine was a specific event. But if you pay closer to attention to him as he spoke, He spoke often about the World Socialist Organization and website attempting to bring down imperialism around the world. So he's looking at a much bigger um, objective. And to understood his point that in order to achieve the objective that that organization is aiming for, it will be an international effort and it will take that type of alignment. But to that point, the rage against the war um, effort was an event. It's not necessarily a movement. And if it is going to be a movement, it is not necessarily 
a movement yet. So I saw a misalignment of um, the talking points from that perspective. In addition to that, um, I think in his haste to advance this, you know, disintegration of imperialism on an international basis, his critique of the socialist alternative and Shama's efforts are guilty of a type of confirmation bias where he is not allowing the facts to inform his judgment. He is forcing his judgment on the facts. If And it occurred to me as he was talking, if you listen to Shama in any of her more recent um, speeches and appearances, it is clear that what her perspective is on the duopoly, on the establishment, and that she clearly understands that the apparatus around those um, things do not work. So he is not allowing room for her political evolution or the shifting of perspectives or even the trying to align for what you think will work. The Democratic um, Socialist of America is not that old. And so as you indicate, it kind of emerged out of that Bernie Sanders thing, which is out of 216 to 220. And, you know, when we know better, we do better. But he was clearly not open to understanding Shama Sewan and the social alternative in a different perspective. And I think to that point, it is because he is trying to win people to his perspective and to his organization's objective. Um, which is, you know, like I say, it made for a discourse that was kind of out of alignment. And, you know, but I thought I saw portions of the um, rally and I did. I had to listen to Chris Hedges through another um, means, but I did get to hear him and Jill Stein and um, the Blumenthal that you played and um Jimmy Dore, but I'm not surprised at Rachel Maddow's take because she is a part of the machine and therefore her perspective and her objective is the manufacturing of consent around the narrative that is coming out of the White House. So she would seize this opportunity to cast this event as something small, trivialize it, make it weird, and so to a broader audience who maybe did not hear the speakers, she is beating down the competition before it gets a chance to take root. She focused mm. on Tulsi because Tulsi is a firebrand in terms of her political positioning shifting back and forth over the years, but she is a known quantity within the democratic circles. And so that people who are now turned off by her would by association be turned off by this movement. It was, to me, it was a hatchet job and she tried to do it skillfully. But if you have a broader understanding, you could see exactly that she was trying to manufacture consent around the war machine's agenda. And in terms of Joe Biden being in Ukraine and Poland instead of East Palestine, um, this we're coming up to or just moved past the one year anniversary 
of the um, aggression against Ukraine from Russia. And it was planned, it was scheduled. And of course, he, it, he found it more important to be there than East Palestine. And for that reason, because they were coming up on the anniversary. And so it makes a type of um, upside down sense. But we also know from the biggest perspective, these people do not care about the people in East Palestine or Flint or Jackson, Mississippi. They do not care. And to the earlier comments to in the conversation today, if we didn't have a two-party system, I think our politics would be different because it would be easier to have a politics based on class and not all those other things. And I think we would have a different pop body politic if we did not have the two parties. But um, I thought, I think the whole idea of warring, I mean, raging against the war is a good thing. Um, I think it would, it is, I knew there would be a chance for it being problematic because whenever you aggregate people who have a known background and they are of such disparate ideologies, it invites that type of critique because people ordinarily assume that everybody is appearing on a certain platform are in an alignment. So yep. it made sense to me that you would get people attacking it, saying, well, oh, this person is this and this person is that. But I understand what the objective was. And like you say, and like um, CJ said earlier today, have as many events as possible. And so that this event translates into a movement, because whatever it translates into, it is going to have to overcome the mainstream media to be heard. And Rachel Maddow just gave a taste of what is waiting. 100% Noel. I think, did everybody um, see, did everyone see the clip I did on Rising earlier today yep. about this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I was so glad they invited me on to talk about this because I was, I was fuming just fuming with this because I'm so tired as someone who's an organizer, as someone who is an activist, you get tired of the same people always smearing these outside efforts. It's annoying. And, and honestly, like time can be used in more constructive ways instead of you wasting time online to smear events that you're not, you don't want to attend anyway. That's totally fine if you don't want to attend the event, but to take your time and try to tear it down and try to prevent other people from coming. I think this is why I got so flustered with Eric tonight because by the way, this was not meant to go that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had already spoke, Eric and I had already spoken earlier today. This is not how this was supposed to go. I want to be very <laughs> clear to everyone. We already talked about the topics that we were going to talk about. I knew he wanted to talk about the rally and the, and the article and all that stuff. So that was not a surprise to him. It wasn't a surprise to me. But I really did not expect him to take it to where he took it. And so that's why I had to say, wait a minute. When he contacted me earlier and I still have the DM, he said he doesn't want to harp on it and that he just wants it to be 
uh, a discussion. He, he made it very clear. I'm not trying to tear it down. That's what he told me. I was like, all right, cool, base, let's go. Even if you did want to tear it down, I'd still be like, all right, let's go. Cool. We can have the discussion. But then out of nowhere, you have to be very careful when you make these types of accusations and you say that someone, you say this on a live stream, I can't go back and remove this, okay? You said on a live stream that Jackson Hinkle was a Nazi and you need to give me some type of receipts to back that shit up because I don't want people coming to point fingers at me saying, oh, Sabby, Sabby said that Jackson, Sabby didn't say anything. Eric said this, but also you have to be very careful in reference to slander. Now you said, that's why I asked him. I pushed back the first time he said it. And I said, what do you mean by that? Do you have support to show that? You have to be careful about saying those kind of things. But you know, it's also important um, for you or the other people as hosts to be able to say um, that is not my understanding of Mr. Hinkle and that is not the position of this podcast and I do not endorse that perspective. The positions of Mr. London are those in his alone. That is not the position of this show because you create a space to move past that and pivot past that point and ferret out more about him because we could see what was going on. Um, when he started making the statements about um, Shama, I could see exactly what was going on. And as the host, you're not necessarily in a position where you feel, you should feel the need to defend what your guests are saying. You just need to be able to make it clear that the positions of the guest are those of the guests and not your podcast. Because you got all kind of loonies or not. And I don't, I'm not saying he's a loony. I'm a loony. <laughs> So I don't need people to defend him. But what I am saying is in order to ferret out what people have to say across a diversity of issues, when they say things that are problematic, it is worth a footnote and a disclaimer. But then you pivot on to the next issue because what they say will always be what they said. Because we know Shama to be different. We, I don't know Jackson Hinkle but I don't know him to be a Nazi. And that is quite a statement to make, but it's, it's Mr. London's wherewithal to make the statement. If that's what he believes, you just need to separate yourself from it and then go on because who knows what other type of ideas he might be holding. And that's, you know, so that the, the discourse doesn't devolve into this heated back and forth. Um, you just can move on and see what else he has to say. The views of yes. the Sabby the views of the guests of the Sabby Sab shows do not necessarily reflect the views of the show. I might have to put that like as as a disclaimer, at least like in the comment section or something. I want to ask Robin two questions before my customer gets here. One, when are you gonna have your own YouTube show? Two, you're a minister, so did you detect a bit of pride coming from uh, uh, London, Eric London? Um, okay, so when am I going to have my own YouTube show? Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not opposed to having one. So uh, stay tuned <laughs> to that. Um, in terms of the uh, detecting pride from Eric, I don't know 
if it was pride, but I will say this, that the attitude that he displayed is very common among the Christian community, which is why we have so many denominations, why you have Baptists and Methodists and uh, Presbyterians and uh, Assemblies of God and Church of God in Christ and all in AMEs and CMEs or, C, you know, all of these other types of things, because, you know, the whole point of denominations are, oh, well, we found the the perfect thing. And so we can't be with you because you believe in, you know, dunking where we believe in sprinkling and, you know, we <laughs> bless babies and we don't bless babies and all. I mean, so it's so I'm used to all of that type of stuff, you know, on my, you know, on my end from a Christian perspective, I've seen all of this. None of this is new or surprising to me, you know. Um, so is it arrogance? Um, it could be. It could be arrogance. I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, that he does not give, from what I see, to Shama or the socialist alternative and say that maybe he truly believes what he believes. But even then, at a certain point in time, if you are trying to advance your mission, like for me, if I'm trying to advance the cause of Christ or whatever, at the end of the day, you know, I don't care if you dunk or sprinkle or get a hose and just, you know, blow somebody down with a fire hose. I don't care about those things. You know, do you believe in Christ and him crucified? Yes or no. That's the only other thing. And we could talk about whether you dunk or sprinkle or or any of those other that's stuff we can debate about amongst ourselves type you know type of deal so like i said i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that i don't think that he gives to other people um you know and then uh, and, and i got upon that uh, or just based on that as well i just it just makes me sad because, you know, when I read his article, too, or not, well, let me take that back. I don't know if he wrote the article. Well, based on the article about the Rage Against the War Machine that was on their website or whatever, it was, um, I thought it was a, a bad faith article. I really do think it was a bad faith article because a lot of the stuff was inflammatory. There wasn't a lot of quotes or I think I saw one quote maybe in it or whatever. Um, and then it was also about a bunch of stuff about, oh, these people don't, you know, are against, uh, you know, COVID type of uh, uh, policies. It's they like, said what some of the, doing war? That article, which I didn't read it while he was on the stream because I kind of don't like reading articles uh, while I have a guest on, right, I'll, I'll right. pull it up because, it, you know, it kind of detracts from like the guest. But the thing is, is like that article mentions some of the same talking points that Rachel Maddow had. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, um, I mean, I, I made my comments in terms of, you know, where all of this stuff may have come from. And, and maybe that was I was out of turn by doing that or whatever. But, you know, it, I mean, but it does make you think. If you're if you have to pull from all of these other areas that doesn't have anything to do with negotiating peace, 
then you have to wonder, well, what is your goal? Because I know from my perspective, I mean, you know, scripture says, do whatever you can to live, you know, in peace with all men as much as you're able to. Which means that, okay, we understand that there comes a time where you may, you can do everything that you can and you just can't get there. But as much as you're able, try to live at peace with all men. And I'm not seeing that effort being done by him and this world socialist website and uh, Rachel Maddow or whatever, you know, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing the opposite of that. And so... It's just interesting to know, okay, well, if that's the case, what is your objective? I think a lot of, we're in a very unique space in um, our nation's history at this place because we have seen the collapse of the printed newspapers because of the online pressure. We have seen the emergence of an independent media through the online social media sphere that did not exist before. We have been propagandized around fake news and this and that. But through all of that, these are the major and minor struggles for control of the narrative. Mm -hmm. And as the government works closer with the um, networked media, to spin a narrative and build a type of consent around it, you have the people, the alternative sources of information, um, putting out different types of understandings of the information that's put out. But even within that network, they're fighting amongst themselves and then jockeying for position. And then as we've said before, in the independent media space, you have members who are in alignment with the Democratic and Republican apparatus. And so it just makes for a very um, a difficult space if you are trying to get to the root of information, if you're trying to get to the facts. And a lot of people don't have the ability to critically assess information as presented. We have a whole elderly segment of our society that's grown to rely on the networked media. So it's just people just all over the place. But when people are doing what really feels like an, an attack, it is generally because they perceive the object of their attack as a type of direct competition. And so, you know, there's some good faith efforts where people are really trying to um, help people not be confused and misled. But there are also some bad faith actors who are just trying to get people to come over to their side of the understanding or their side okay. of the equation. And it's just, you know, I see it as so volatile. That's why I don't do Twitter, you know, because it's just too much. And we all know that you have the assassins out there who just want to stir up you know, dissonance and discord. So people will be all over the place. And it's just, you know, it's just a sad thing because we're really coming to a place, I think, where we can all sense that we're on the precipice of some type of fundamental shift. Yes. And nobody wants to be left out. Nobody wants to be left behind. 
And I just think that's what's creating all this angst. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. And, and, but, but what's unfortunate though, is that um, I would like to think that in the midst of this angst, that there would be some level of intellectual honesty and sad to say, Sabby, I don't think that um, Eric uh, London Bridge is, is falling down <laughs> Uh, came with the appropriate level of intellectual honesty to have a good faith discussion um, that was warranted, uh, you know, tonight. And so uh, my prayer is that maybe he'll look back on this and, 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 you know, uh, change his perspective or whatever. My fear though, is that given that there are multiple people uh, at the World Socialist website that have put out these various articles over the past couple of years or so is that that's their stake. They've put their stake in the ground and they have basically become, you know, the leftist version of MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, but we're the true left type of deal. And then, you know, and, and, it, make, and it makes me sad because you know, I listen to you, Sabby, and RBN, and you've put out various uh, stories where you've profiled articles on the this website and everything. And then only for him to come on tonight and, and basically blow up all of the goodwill that you have propped up for them. Yeah. You know, and it makes me think like, well, shoot, well, then why, why should I listen to anything? Now I've got to go and fact check everything that, you know, that if you ever put up an article about them again, I'm going to go and fact check that stuff. Because now I know, I I saw the Rage Against the War Machine. I know where my stance is. And now I'm listening to him. And now he's saying that anybody that voted for Trump is a Nazi. And I'm going, wait a minute now. I'm a black libertarian that voted for Trump. Now I'm a Nazi type of, you know. So where we, you know, so... I, he didn't do himself any favors. He didn't do his website any favors by coming on and making a lot of those claims. And it makes me very sad because I'm a good faith actor and I will give you the benefit of the doubt until you show me that I, I to do otherwise. And he came on your show and he made me think, mm, if I see another article from this website, I'm going to think twice and I'm going to go do my own. Re- I mean, I should do my own research anyway, but I'm I'm not going to take it at face value anymore again from this website because of what he said. It does make you rethink things. Um, I see. I want to shout out really quick. Indie Left News. I see you're in the chat. Um, I would like to invite you to speak, Indy. You have to if you call in to get into the queue, I'll invite you as a speaker. Um because I'd like to get your take about this as well. For some reason, I don't see all the names. When I look at listeners, it doesn't show me everyone. I don't understand why that happens, but I can see him in the chat. But anyway, I wanted to say that like, okay, I got you. All right, you're right there. Okay, I'm, I'm inviting you to speak now. Um, it, It's hurtful. Like I left that rally really pumped and amped and motivated. Like Colin and I talked about it actually on stream. We talked about it. Um. You guys should have seen that clip today. That clip aired today where Colin, I think, was the last interview. And we talked about being pumped and, like, motivated and stuff like that. And then I get back home and, like, I see this fucking article 
from the World Socialist website, who I read on my show multiple times, oftentimes, and mm-hmm. we read them on RBN. And I was very like taken aback by their take on this. Um, and then I see that stupid video from Rachel Maddow, and I'm just like, dude, like you guys just like killed killed the momentum. But I, it really made me feel some kind of way. And and I I do usually feel pumped and excited when I come from a rally. The same way I feel pumped after going out to, out to the gym, you know, and I feel like it just kind of like deflated, deflated my energy a little bit. And, and maybe I shouldn't have let that. That's kind of sucks, huh? Sounds like now, somebody's will, doing the job. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks, Eric. But I will say going on rising this morning and kind of just venting. That's why at one point, because I, I saw myself talking like a mile a minute. And finally, when I was done ranting, I had to I looked at Robbie and I said, sorry, Robbie, but I'm frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And you and you were fine. And I will say this, Sabby, you know, um, although I will look sideways at World Socialist website from now on. I do not for a minute, um, you know, um, what do I call it? I don't second guess my anti-war stance. I don't second guess my anti-imperialist stance. And then to kind of go back to what Noel was talking about earlier, um, as part of those demands uh, of the rally, the one of the demands was an anti-imperialist stance. Stop the, you know, imperialist colonizing type of thing that's going on type of deal. You know, even though uh, that guy was saying that it wasn't the case or whatever, you know, that was a big part of the rally. Um, And, you know, and as as, as a libertarian, I'm all about that type of deal. So, you know, even though, again, my criticism is very localized to this website in particular, which makes me sad because I know that there have been multiple articles, like you said, that you've uh, put forward that I have taken in and I've understood and digested and, you know, and agree with a lot of the premises. Uh, and I'm not, you know, but now I've got a pause. I have a pause now if you present those articles in the future. But in terms of my stance against against this war, in terms of my stance against future wars, in terms of my stance against prior wars that I used to think that were valid, like the war against Afghanistan and reluctantly the war against Iraq and everything that now I'm opposed to those things. I'm not deterred from that at all. So um, if anything, I think that his being on your show was a net positive because it's relevatory of, you know, well, who's really, you know, uh, a part of this anti-war movement and who's really in it for some other means. And again, I'm not going to say what his, his rationale is. I don't know what it is. All I know is well, can I? he's not for can us. So you, we got to keep moving on. It, okay. It, thanks so I, much. I, I think it's Im- Let's pivot important to, just well, one second. Eric. I just wanted to say, I just wanted to announce the order really quick. Okay. I'm going to pivot to Eric. And then we're going to go to Indy left and then uh, CR, who is on the mic. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Indy. <laughs> Feel free to jump in anytime on, on me, Indy. There's a certain type of, of leftists who, like, this is all they do. 
you know, and I, I'm sure Indy's going to say the same thing. Is that like this is their whole game? It's just to 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 carp about other people in the space and say, you know, you're not left enough. You know, you're you you're just not, you know, you're just not good enough or pure enough. And so I I think it's just important to kind of recognize the the type. And W World Social's website is is full of those types. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there's definitely purists on. Uh... That, that are calling themselves left, but they don't want to work with anybody else unless they are a certain fit into a certain box or don't fit into a certain box. I understand that there's people that want to feel safe. There was nobody at that rally that felt unsafe from what I heard. Um, even though there were people that had flags that might have been intimidating, there was plenty of space for them to do so. But honestly, Savvy, I was... I watched all of this. I watched a lot of the speeches. I shared a lot of the stuff on Indie Left News, on INN. Um, and I was invigorated. And watching Rachel Maddow, watching it, it get to those level of people and, and upset them. Now, part of why Rachel Maddow covered it is because Tucker covered it on Friday uh, when he had Tara Reid on his show. And then, of course, Rachel had to come up with some kind of a counter to it on Monday in response to that. They, did, they, did they really mention that four former presidential candidates spoke at this rally? Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing not. They definitely tried to deflect from what the actual message of this rally was, the unity of people that were there, the diversity of people that were there. There was a ton of people there, but it's an anti-war rally in D.C. on a holiday weekend in the middle of February that was organized on the Internet by third parties and completely fringed, you know, dismissed in general people by the mainstream media and never mentioned on corporate media outside of Tucker Carlson. So I give a shout out to the organizers. Um, the fact that there were people that came after it, there's always people that attack every rally. It's happened for March for Medicare for All. And, and it's sometimes the same people and sometimes it's different people. And sometimes they're upset for different reasons. Um, and sometimes they take turns, Indy. They certainly do. <laughs> and sometimes they out themselves completely. I'll tell you right now. Uh, they're pretty easy to spot at times because they, they're they the loudest streamers. Um, but yeah, but no I'm going to go on even, record and say this, that no one's going to tell me who I can or cannot organize with, period. So that's what was really funny to me. I'm just like, these motherfuckers really think I'm going to listen to them? Oh, my God. A couple <laughs> people told me not to go, so I'm not going to go. Fuck that. <laughs> Do you know who you were talking to? If you tell me not to do something, that makes me want to do that shit harder. Yeah. Reefa, is that you? I feel that. That's, that's Indy left. Indy, um, tell everybody who you are. Uh, I, I'm the editor, uh, founder and editor of independentleft.news of the, of Indy News Network, INN. Uh, I do a show every Sunday night on, on, on both networks called How Do We Miss That? Uh, I do a show with Jesse Jett every other Tuesday night called American Tradition. I'm the executive producer for the Tar Reed uh, podcast and live stream. And, uh, and, and I try to help out a lot of people all over the space, uh, amplifying everybody in, in independent media because it's so important to get. Is this your first out. time on Colin? Uh, I don't. I've, I've been on a couple times, but it's been a while since I dialed in, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, but I saw, saw Savvy was on and somebody Welcome. in one of the discords <laughs> is like, Savvy's on fire. So I'm like, well, I gotta pop in and say hello and see and see what's going on around here. So, uh, happy to be here. Wow, I was surprised you invited me in. This is great. Um, hi everybody. Hi Rick. Hi hi Ware Pilgrim and all all fam that, 
That's it's perfect for you, team, Indy. There's no video. Malecki and everyone. No, this is great. Yeah, no video, yeah. exactly. Because I usually hide out. behind an avatar. Yeah, Indy helps out a lot of channels and independent media, you guys. So uh, definitely give him some love and some support. Uh, CR, I want to get your opinion on this. Go ahead. Want to start off by saying love y'all. What's up, CR? What's going on? Oh boy, <laughs> you know me. Uh, you know my favorite my favorite trope to always beat on is to drag it back into some history lesson. Um, yeah. So the first thing that kind of pops to my mind is uh, you guys all know the song Louie Louie, right? Yeah, I played that in band. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Louis Louie, uh, what's that? Richard Berry originally wrote it, and uh, the popular versions by uh, the Kingsman, I think. Yeah, I think the Kingsman, something like that. Anyways, uh, um, they got famous that was you know off that hit, and uh, later on as it came out, you know after you know through FOIA and stuff like that, that the FBI actually went to their concerts. And we're sitting in the audience and had FBI agents trying because, you know, the lyrics are really hard. It is actually a song that's really hard to really understand the, the lyrics to. It's a, it's a notorious, you know, hit song with, with a bad to understand lyrics. And apparently they had FBI agents that went there and tried to write down the lyrics live and listen and try to understand and, and kind of spy on these people, as well as, of course, you know, people like. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and so on and so forth, you know. Uh, <laughs> so this is, this is the absurd levels. The reason why I point that kind of seemingly trivial story out is that these are the kind of absurd levels that, that, uh, that they'll go to in order to kind of police anything that they think might possibly have a spark. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is what we're kind of what we're dealing with here with the with these people right and th and they did this back you know in the in, in the in the 60s and uh in the early 60s so obviously none of the type of uh you know obviously they could they could tap phones and so on and so forth but the uh the technology was much more crude than what they're capable of doing today and i think that that's one thing that people often kind of overlook is the technology now is so much more crazier so in reference to the uh, to the anti-war rally, it doesn't surprise me that all of these different things have popped up very rapidly and all these different kind of issues. People, guys are waving the Russian flags, whatever, so on and so forth. Because the machine now at this point, we're, you know, I was talking about the 60s, you know, so fast forward, you know, another 60 years later, do you think that at any point they stopped getting better at, 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 at quashing uh, uh, uprising? I do in a sense, because I think that when we look at some of the events and activities that have happened, I think that, and even in reference to the Twitter files, let's go to that, right? Well, they've been outed. Congress even had a hearing about the FBI's involvement with Twitter. So their shit's all out in the open, CR. Like people- totally. They're, they're interfering with social media apps as well. So it's like, as much as some people want to criticize Matt Taibbi for revealing the Twitter files, let's keep it real. <laughs> Would you have rather not known that the FBI was doing these things? 
No, of course you know, not. I think, no, it's, we, just, yeah. I think it's, it's become a little bit more difficult for them. That's why they have infiltrated social media. That's why even some of these accounts on Twitter, I've tried to warn people about some of the accounts on Twitter. You go to these accounts and you look at the profile and you see they have zero followers. They're following like 250 people. And then it says the account was created February 2023. And all you see is them attacking people who are attacking the establishment. Chances are that account is an op. Chances are they're not like, they're not clever about it, CR. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, here, I, I'll make a, make, I'll make a little caveat then to the point that I was getting at. Not that, they, that, they're, uh, that they themselves have gotten better. My point was, do you think that they have stopped trying at the industrial level they were already doing in the 60s? That was more the point that I was getting at. Not that, yeah, of course, it's a, it's a mon- more, more of a monumental hill now, especially things like, you know, police brutality now because everybody has a camera in their pocket, you know, et cetera. Yes, uh, uh, it's a definitely different paradigm. And I wasn't trying to, it is somewhat of an apples to oranges comparison. And no, I'm not saying that they have it easier. What I'm saying is you, you, we all have to admit that they never stopped trying to, to squash mm-hmm. this type of revolutionary energy since then. We knew what they were. They were willing to send FBI agents to a fucking rock concert to sit in the back there and try to figure out lyrics. Do you think in this day and age that they have backed off and any, as unsuccessful as their attempts might be? I just think I just think people need to, to understand that. The, the how long 60 years is of, of, of ramping up of more and more and more of a budget to surveil people that try to uh, uh, to start, you know, third parties or any type of uh, outside energy. Yeah, I think that they have infiltrated more so the online spaces now. That's where they're targeting. And that includes Instagram, too. It's not just Twitter, you guys. It's not just Twitter and Facebook. That includes Instagram. That includes YouTube. That includes uh, Snapchat. Do people still use Snapchat these days? Like, all of these social media uh, apps, I think they have infiltrated all of the online spaces because they know you, primarily that's where a lot of people are today. Well, do you know how, how, how more crazier it gets? And we know this because of Snowden. Uh, just funny that you mentioned that because it's popped in my head. The NSA was tracking people on World of Warcraft. Yes. Yep. Had, I mean, you know, very popular video game, a game that most people, if you're familiar with it, you tend to stay playing on it, you know, six, seven, 10, eight, 10, 12 hours, and you get to talking with people a lot and get very intimate on there. Yes, the NSA was listening to you while you were fucking playing Warcraft. So all that sick fucking shit that you guys talked about. Yep. You know, it's too late. The NSA knows about it. Again, this 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 is straight to my point. A fucking video game where people are running around in a fantasy world. They were still concerned about what you were saying to each other, even on that level. And I, I just no. don't think people people don't wrap their head around how much bigger it has gotten since then. How much more has been added since then. The military, the the Pentagon budget, everything goes up. It all goes up. It never goes down. You know what I mean? So I don't think we, I don't think we understand really what we're up against sometimes. You know, we think that like, oh, we had this stinker. There's a couple little stinkers that showed up to the show to kind of fuck it up. It's like, no, there's a giant machine that knows how to automatically respond the second there's a little bit of a spark. You know, one of the people I really, like, 
recommend that everybody make sure they, they keep up with it is Caitlin Johnstone. And she, she She's talks great. a lot about, yeah, about narrative and, and propaganda. And one of the, and she really resonates for, with me personally whenever I read her. And she talks about how, like, you don't have to, like, control people physically if you can control them in terms of the propaganda and the narrative. And so that, that's really, I, I just think we all have to be really mindful that that's what's going on here is, is, is a narrative of, of following the power and, and, and staying in line or, or being caught in the left right paradigm. And so propaganda and narrative are key. That's and why part of the infiltration, part of the infiltration, honestly, is not even that they want to get to everybody, but they want to peel off a few people here and there and so discontent and start arguments and fights within which then yep. causes a couple of people to leave, but they don't necessarily want to get everybody, at, you know, in unison. They actually want to cause division and infighting within the organization. And it's classic COINTELPRO, as CR was talking about, and and the CIA and and the list and the NGOs have only gotten wealthier since InQtel has come out in the early early two thousands, and they started investing in private business, and now they have access to mountains of private dark money that's unaccountable because it's it's private um and that's going through their ngos and through through organizations like bellingcat for example i mean blue that's book why- they told us blue book was shut down and even blue book which is as as fringe as that is they continue to to continue to fund that off the books and change the name of the projects even stupid things like project blue book there would so it doesn't matter they'll throw money at it more than we can ever fucking organize against uh, i think the good news is it, it's an uphill battle they they're having to put more and more resources into this because their information is more and more available and so i i think they're panicking that's what that's the so reason too. why go ahead roger that's the reason why i said a few weeks ago the worst president that we had uh, in the last hundred years was Truman because he gave us all of these things. Yeah. The military industrial complex, the CIA. The only thing he didn't give us was the FBI, but the right. uh, gave us MIC, CIA, NSA. He gave us the nuclear bomb. I mean, yeah. Emperor Hirohito was like in the middle of like trying to negotiate like a peace and, uh, and like surrender. A, yeah. A, a surrender. That's the word I was looking for. And he said, Oh, and you know what? Somebody had read. Um, FDR didn't trust um, vice presidents. That's why he went through like four of them, or whatever the case is. I think it's because he saw what happened to his cousin uh, Teddy mm-hmm. when, uh, like, when his when Teddy's vice president got elected, he went to roll back all the stuff Teddy done, or whatever the case is. But he kind of proved him. I guess Truman proved FDR right. When he was just like, you know, he wasn't alive to see it, but he say, "Oh, wait a minute, he was hiding this thing from me. Oh, he got, he has this wonderful weapon we could have used to uh, uh, stop the war. Yo, let's do it." You know, and that's the reason why I say, I mean, you take a like, yeah, we can talk about Reagan and Obama and, and FDR. Trump. FDR wasn't the hero that everybody makes him out to be. He actually saved capitalism. He didn't give us social security and all that kind of others. I guess those things were the outgrowth. Of the of yes. the actions that he took, but that wasn't his intent. His intent no, was no, that was to us. throw a bone. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was people that put heat to him to, to yeah. do that. So, yeah. but, and so that's why, all... when you take the 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 perspective and the very long view 
This nation has been on the same course since its inception. And as the technology has advanced through the years, the techniques have advanced with them. We are currently living in a surveillance state. The reason Julian Assange sits in a prison in Belmarsh in England disintegrating is because he did what few others could, and that is expose them. And that's why he became persona non grata, worldwide number one, and the U.S. empire is destined to see him dead. And you know what is so interesting when you cross... um Julian Assange with the uh, Eric Snowden and these people who have revealed the inner workings of the government apparatus, you become enemy number one because you are exposing their craft and you have to. and, And here's the thing. For all the things that Snowden and Julian Assange exposed, no one is dealing with what was exposed. They vilify you so quickly and so thoroughly that the common man never gets to say, well, you know, those papers were legitimate. Those emails were real. So what were you doing? They never allowed the public to build outrage over that because they're so busy spinning that narrative. And that's why I keep saying to people, as the needs of the poor and working poor grow louder and more poignant and there comes to be a natural coalition amongst the people at the very bottom, you are going to see the deep state unmask. You're going to see a realignment between the Democrat elite and the Republican elite. They're going to come out of this pretending to be, and they're going to show you who they really are. And they're keeping tabs on everything Because the whole thing from the very beginning has been about extraction and exploitation and what they do to us domestically, they're trying to do to the rest of the world internationally. Everywhere the U.S. goes, it is about resources and they're trying to get access to exploit. Let me play this clip here. Now, this is from um, Rising and I want to get your take on this. This is about... The Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam protests. So listen to this segment just for a second. Okay. We have to rebuild the anti-war movement in this country. And in order to do that, that means that we may have to unite with people that agree with us on this particular issue. They may not agree with us on the other issues, but when it comes to being anti-war in this country, they do agree with us on this issues. That's how you get those numbers uh, out there. So I think that people need to look back to something like the Vietnam War. The last time that we had a large anti-war movement in this country were the Vietnam protests. Now you need to ask, why is that? There are two factors here. Number one, During the Vietnam War, the United States government implemented the draft. So there were a lot of Americans that were directly affected by that war. And two, mainstream media actually showed civilian casualties during the Vietnam War, which you do not see broadcast today in reference to wars. You didn't see it for Afghanistan. You didn't see it for Iraq either. So the American people were able to see the number of civilian casualties that were affected as a result as well. And I think that's why the numbers increased. But here we are today in the age of of, uh, internet 
in the age of social media, Twitter and Facebook, and we struggle to get large numbers out. So this rally that you saw, this is probably going to be the largest anti-war rally that you see this year. And I want people to fully understand if we want to get 15,000 people out in the streets, such as they had during the Vietnam protests, you're going to have to reach different people. You're going to have to work across the aisle. Now, people seem to have no problem with this when it's politicians who do this in D.C. They call it bipartisanship. But when we do it on the outside to unite over one particular issue, it's a big problem for a lot of people. And that's really unfortunate. So, Okay, I want to get you you guys just like take on that in reference to the Vietnam War protest, because I did I have done uh, research on this. And this is something I've been looking at a lot, especially recently, given this conflict with Russia and Ukraine. And my dad, you know, my dad has talked about this a little bit, but my grandparents talked about this a lot more. They would not put up with this today. This issue happening with Russia and Ukraine. They would not put up with it. The fact that the gas prices are high, the food prices are high. They would be out in the streets by the numbers. So I think I want to get, and I'm going to go to, uh, go to you first, Notori, and then I'm going to go to Indy Left News. That was one of the things I said on Rising this morning because it's really upsetting when you look back at the numbers that we were able to pull back before we even had advanced technology in this country. The numbers of people that were able to come out and we have to find a way to wake up the American people to the fact that these civilian casualties are still happening. And not only are they still happening, they have increased since the Vietnam War. We have to alert the American people to that because we don't have a draft anymore. We just don't. So what is the best way you think to get that across to people for them to see what is really happening with these wars so they can stop being cheerleaders for these conflicts? And Notori, I'm going to go to you first. You have to unmute and then I'll go to Indy and then I'll pivot back to CR. Just got to um, unmute uh, Notori. There you go. You're unmuted, but we don't hear anything. Hello. There you go. I think my All right, um, Tori, what, hold on. what's your take on that? Fifteen thousand. Can you hear me now? Fifteen thousand people. Okay, I hear my... Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Fifteen thousand, it was estimated that fifteen thousand to twenty five thousand people showed up to protest against the Vietnam War in Washington, DC. That was just one just one event. What do you think we need to do to get those numbers out today? Go ahead. Um, I would say it's it's kind of hard, and I'm gonna just say this: like I feel like people being beaten into submission with our government, the U.S. government, because I feel like back in the day, like Jimmy said, and a lot y'all, a lot of y'all have said, like back in the day, I have seen documentaries on like the Black Panther and. KKK members and they all coming together to fight for um causes and I feel like today is so hard because everybody in their corner it's like the poor the um like the rich is together but it's very hard for like I just got to bring it back to this guy that was on your show the stuff that he said is just 
it's like people just coming out the woodwork and it's like it's it's very hard to see where the left go from here because it's like it's like high school childish like i will come together with anybody to help the poor and working poor well said notori uh indy and then i'll pivot to uh cr and then i'll bring in ashura yeah, I mean, look, in the 1960s, everybody came together for an anti-war movement. I think that they've done a really good job of fragmenting the country in a way. And they've done it through corporate media. How do we cut through the noise of corporate media and through social media, which we now know and which we've learned, we've been learning for, for time has been infiltrated by CIA, by NSA, by FBI. They've been watching and they're sitting at the, at the switches. And emailing people at Twitter, and then their former, you know, they leave the the FBI and they go to work at Twitter. Matt Taibbi and the Twitter files have done phenomenal work to uncover some of that stuff. So if you haven't checked out the Twitter files, definitely do. Um, but how do we cut through by one one to one talking to the people next to us to ask them if they've heard about this? Because most of these people are still watching Netflix, they're still watching Amazon, they're still watching corporate news at night. Somebody they know, and in their news feed, they claim they don't watch Fox News, but they'll watch a Tucker segment in their news feed. They'll watch a Rachel segment in their news feed. They'll see Joy Ann Reed in their news feed or whatever it is, and they'll watch that. I, I don't. I don't subscribe to any of those channels. I, my friends don't share any of that stuff. It's just nowhere in my purview or radar until I hear somebody else talking about, well, this person said this on this channel about this. I had no idea because it doesn't show up in my in my feed. The first, the first answer is unplug from corporate media and to, and to put together some kind of campaign to try to fight a battle against the corporate machine that is propagandizing the entire country on the war narrative, on the COVID narrative, on a lot of different narratives, um, in order to make it so that there's really only one narrative to believe in and anybody else that's outside that narrative ends up censored and kicked off platforms like Twitter. Hey, Indy, can, can I ask you a question? And sure. what's, what's our narrative? What, well, what's our, our narrative is, message? well, first off, is that you can't listen to the corporate media because they are absolutely corrupt and have a profit motive in killing you and keeping you working longer hours for less pay while they run away with, with record profits every quarter. From the railroads to the food companies, Everybody is doing this right now. Even the car companies, they're squeezing inventory shortages. Their profits are at record levels. They don't necessarily want to bring inventory levels back to where they were and make cars fully available. I can't get a minivan for my family, like for a year, because the waiting list is a year out, and the price when you do get it is outrageously high. And all of that is happening by design. They want to make it impossible to, to afford life. Uh, so our narrative is... Unplug from this stuff and as much as you possibly can and start listening and, and paying attention to alternate media and talking about the alternate narrative out there and educating people around you. I think that's really got to be our message. Mutual aid, help the people around you, local local politics. Roger Meadows is going to love it. I'm about to say ballot well, measures yes, are super important. They're complicated, but ballot initiatives. Okay, sir. Yes, I love you. And, and so good Community to be on to all in with you. Community banking. I mean, there are smaller answers. We we don't have the power at a federal level and won't for the near-term future. 
So what can we do um, instead of stand here and complain about it? We can go and protest and educate well, others. What that is, We've got to speak to What's the core need. problem? I, I guess what I'm trying to drill down to is, is the, the core problem is, is the money. You know, the core problem is it's capitalism and corruption. Top, and, but I mean, you have this top, you know, 0.1%, the billionaires, the megacorps that have all the money and all the power. And and then you have the rest of us and they have a set of interests and we have a set of interests. And I guess what I'm what I'm trying to to rally among our little group of lefties is is some clarity and, and some focus on, on that message that 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 that's the fight. You know what I mean? Oh, it's it's definitely against the billionaire class. They're the ones that are buying everything up. They're the ones that are controlling the narratives on on these media organizations. And I think CR so made a great point in talking about this is who they we have to create our own alternative structure which is what we've been doing um building up hosts building up shows building up viewership building up listenership and moving to alternative platforms uh rock fins let's bring in you know rumble is growing yeah yeah rumble is definitely growing um there have been more people that are getting their own exclusive shows on rumble and i know some people are like oh that's just you know, more media, but that is still reaching a different segment of the population. I mean, Kim Iverson now has her own exclusive show on Rumble. Glenn Greenwald's show on Rumble is phenomenal. If you guys, you know, again, if you haven't checked it out, you need to check it out. Like, so there is definitely a different uh, audience that is reachable over there uh, versus YouTube. So that's a thing. There's also a segment of people that only will watch like Rockfin, right? Natori, what's your take? Go ahead and unmute, and then I'll go to CR. I do want to say yep. this, and I say this a lot. I do thank you and RBN, and I feel like it's need to be. Y'all are doing a lot of good work because I don't know what show I will be looking. Well, it is a hand. It is a few of others out there that I watch too. But before y'all came on the scene, it's like because I was so gun ho for Bernie and stuff like that, and then. I used to watch people, not the, I don't really want to bring them up, but I used to watch the TYTs, Cal, Crystal, all them until um, I stopped all that shit when, uh, what's his name, Biden got in office. Cause I'm like, hold up, y'all were just for Bernie, now y'all for Biden. How do that work? So I just mm -hmm. glad that y'all came on the scene because, and then I know um, Blue Moon, I watch her. And a couple of others, but it's not that many like y'all because I feel like a lot of the other ones, I, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to say it. I feel like they play just to get the money from their fans or whatever supporters, like the Crystals and the Cal Kalimskis. And then they know damn well they are hardcore Democrats. Mm, mm, mm. CR, I'm going to uh, finish up with you and then I'll bring in Ashura. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> the, so many different topic changes there. I'm trying to. Sorry to drop all that on you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm trying to think. I was like, okay, we went through like four different topics there. Like, what can I comment back on? But uh, um, well, let me just kind of pivot back to the kind of the original topic that we're talking about, which is the rally, right? And the uh, individuals that we're told that we're not allowed to uh, associate with, let alone uh, organize with, right? So that 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 definitely seems to be a predominant narrative that's repeated across the the spectrum, 
you know, regardless of whether it's a Democrat, or Republican, whoever, for whatever type of agenda, so that that's what we say, divisive kind of politics. But most of us, I believe it was uh, like Chris Hedges recently said that, you know, it's like, I, you know, yeah, I guess I wouldn't have necessarily invited some of those people myself, but I didn't organize, as, as I've, I've heard many other people that spoke. They're kind of uh, more or less the same thing that I also saw Chris Hedges say in an interview. Like, yeah, I'll speak wherever, you know, he's like, but Chris Hedges says, but I draw the line at like, you know, I'm not going to an openly neo-Nazi group. I'm not going to speak with them, you know, if they're there or whatever, you know what I mean? You know, that, that kind of stuff like that, the KKK, so on and so forth. But then you have people who I really think are, are, are awesome, like Daryl Davis, I don't know if you guys are all familiar with Gerald Davis. Yeah, I know about. I know, I know, I know. Sabrina's familiar with Gerald Davis. Yep. And I believe Jimmy's had him on at least twice. I remember to, Larry to interview. Davis. And, <laughs> yeah, Daryl Daryl Davis uh, um, has uh, he is a black uh, blues musician that has convinced many KKK members, current and poor members, to basically kind of give up their ideology. And one of his very interesting things is he's collected a very sizable collection of clan robes from people that have decided to give up that ideology. And in the end, they ended up giving it. To, and these are people that ostensibly hated him more yeah. than any, any other group. Yeah, I saw that guy and, back in my uh, watching Lawrence O'Donnell days way back. Yeah, but so so so. When I when I think about people like Daryl Davis and 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 in contrast to all the type of uh, lefty infighting that's been going on around the anti-war rally, I I think that well, well wait a minute what if even the worst people like KKK members were there? Is it? I know it's generally impossible to imagine that we can kind of reach them in some shape or another, but why not? try in some aspects i personally wouldn't you know to be honest i'd be like i don't have the fucking energy for that shit <laughs> you know and i don't i don't know a vast majority of us would rather you know spit in their face than try to take the time out of our day to do that but i then submit to you realizing now that that line is fuzzy that we find ourselves now here at the precipice of, of a very dangerous situation both domestically and internationally you know, uh, 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 what, what at this point are we really going to have to, how much energy are we really going to have to spend towards squabbling over where that line is? You know, I, I think that we need to commit to trying. Yeah. I think that's an important question. CR, you know, the line is different for different people. Um, yes. and that's why like for, for some people who felt uncomfortable, you know, I, again, I don't fault them for that. Um, I, I was actually able to hang out with the Feeney when I went to DC, uh, the day before the rally. So it was great to like spend time with her. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't want to leave. Like this is the thing. Well, don't get me wrong. Like I wanted to come back home, but a Feeney is like so awesome. Like the way you see a Feeney, like in on videos and at rallies and stuff like that on Twitter, like she's even more awesome in person. Like she really is. And um, I didn't want to leave. Like I didn't want to, I wanted to continue the conversation, you know, because I was like a feeding, like that kind of thing. But 
you know, Afini and I had this conversation and, you know, she told me how she felt about it and that she didn't feel like this would be a rally that she would be attending. And that being said, she also said that she wasn't going to spend her time telling people not to attend it either. And so I told her, I said, I respect you for that. Like, if you feel like this is not for you, then I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. If you feel like this is not your jam, then maybe this ain't your jam. You know, maybe the next thing will be your jam, right? So I said, there's another rally in March, but I can respect that. What I cannot respect are the people who said this is not for them, but then they spent all their time smearing the event and telling people not to attend the event. Then I say all their time, I'm talking 24 seven on Twitter, spending all their time, like telling people don't attend this event. These people are all Nazis. By the way, apparently everybody's a Nazi now. Did you guys know that? <laughs> on both sides, yes. Someone got, but I got called a Nazi. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just you got you got you got to let that stuff kind of go because one of the best things that I saw. I can't really take credit for this because there are definitely a, there is a the faction of of Nazis in in Russia, right? Of course. Because just like there is in the United States and Canada or whatever, in the UK and Germany and all over the place, everywhere. But what? But yeah. But one of the, the the retort that I saw somebody else comment in response to somebody else said, he said, "Yeah, but I don't want I don't fund those Nazis in my taxpayer dollars. Currently, I'm mad that my taxpayer. Do- he's like, I don't want to fund any Nazis. So he's like, I don't care where you point out the Nazis are at. He's like, because the person said like, I don't think we should be funding Ukrainian Nazis. Somebody else responded." Oh, but there's Nazis in Russia. And then the guy responded like, yeah, but I don't fund the Nazis in Russia. Right now, my government's funding the Ukrainian Nazis, and I want that to stop. So that's the thing is, like, we always have to, like, stick to the moral point and not allow the divisive point to always be the kind of arbiter of where, you know, where where our energy goes. Like, right, like you're saying, like, you know, what is your principle? Is your principle this or that? Stand up for it. Take your time. Do that. But if your principle is just to sit online all day and be divisive, what the mm-hmm. fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's, not, that's not a principle. There's no principle. They're just sitting there and just slinging shit online. There's a word for this. We call it a troll. All right. You've been around since <laughs> the, fucking, the world of the, 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 the length of the Internet. And I, and I do think that we need to have sympathy, though, for other people, though, on, on the leftists. Side and even somewhat of the kind of liberalish kind of side, you know, the kind of they call themselves the you know, Bernie Kratz or whatever, because we all we all still believed in 2016 that we could get in there with Bernie and then an 18 with AOC and all that. We still all believe. Right now, we're on the other side of it, and I think that a lot of us now that are on the other side of it and and, and know how much of a piece of shit the fucking Democrats are. And how they're the, the, like Shama Swamp said, that's the, the 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 graveyard of progressivism, and we know how much the squad has failed us. I think we all forget that we all felt that same way that people still feel now, back in 2014, uh, 15, 16. You know what I mean? So I just want I just want to just spread the love. Other you know, people wake the hell up, just like we woke the hell up when we saw it. To- totally. They, I, I, I had I had a dream. I had a dream that I had uh, uh, just last night. I had a dream that I, I met Jank at a party and we hugged and took selfies together. And I don't like this guy. I, t- I totally loathe this guy. I don't hate him, but I, I totally loathe him. But I then thought about it when I woke up and I said, you know what? 
he kind of helped me get out of watching mainstream news and get into the indie space. So even though he was kind of just a stepping stone to other things that were better, like listening to RBN and, and, and Jimmy Dore and, you know, uh, indie left media news, all these different, these, all these different great groups that are out there that are, that are doing great independent news. I still realized in my heart, I can't actually hate him as much as I disagree with what he thinks. And I can't hate any of these other people along the steps of my journey, just because we're all in different steps of that journey. So I'll, I'll get out of the way. I, I know I've been talking for a long time, but I just want to say, let's just have some sympathy for our brothers and sisters on the different stages of the journey. Cause we know that we've all made these same mistakes and we know at the end of the day that we love each other more than, than, than the, than the hate that they could possibly drum up for us for the other. Right. You know, cause that's, that's, that's fleeting. That's easy. That's sugar. That's candy. That's nicotine. That's a drug that they want to just feed us that quick little hate, your little 15 minutes of daily hate. Like you get on Fox News or MSNBC, but we're not about that, you know, and we're going to have to band together with people that we don't like. But because at the end of the day, yep. we may not like them, we may not care about them, but we love people. We love individuals and we love our communities. And the only way to progress that forward is going to be dealing with some really shitty people being on our side. You know, oh, it's going to be a so long, much. long road of shitty people on our side. So I, I love you all. All right. Thank you so much, CR. Let me go ahead and bring in what happened to Ashura? He fell oh. asleep again. Oh, no. I felt bad because Ashura had been waiting and then he just I dropped want, off. I, I want to ask something real quick. Has anybody ever asked, does, okay, we talk about how, um, all right, so the left loses its energy and its defiance when a Democrat gets in office. Has, has anyone ever asked, does Connie the conservative and Ronnie the righty lose their energy when a Republican gets in office? I'm, I'm just wondering. Well, no, because they're serving the big money interest. Right. No, no, no. I'm talking about the vote. Money, no. About the, no, no, no. I'm talking about the, the, the voter. You know what I'm saying? The, the regular, you know, Republican voter. You know, when they're like, you know, like, they're like, oh, I hate Obama. I hate Ob I hate Biden. You know, they they get all amped up over Clinton and so on and so forth, and and but whatever, whatever, and you know. But all this goes that. back and forth. So, so like, do, do they lose their energy also? No. When when? Um... <laughs> no. no. I have friends. Listen, I have friends that are Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, lefties. I have friends from all different political ideologies. And I can tell you, they do not lose the energy. No, I mean the protest energy. Like when their when their Republican president is in office, are they like, "Hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to do"? You know, you're not no, doing what. No, they don't. They don't. They actually hold their representatives accountable. That's the difference. That's amazing. This is why hey, people like this is why people like Matt Gates and um, some of the members of the Freedom Caucus. This is why they can do what they did because exactly their constituents support it and back it. Go ahead, Ashura. What's your take on the rally? Um, I think I already did my take. Um, I, I told you this already on Twitter. Uh, I did my take on it when it happened because some guy was complaining 
over personality differences that was at the rally. And it was mainly the, the main culprit that came out of his mouth multiple times was Jackson Hinkle. So he he tried to make it like, oh, it's not about uh, it's not about that he doesn't support the rally. It's just that it, we could have done so much better. But I'm like, bro, like you've been talking about him for so long. I'm like, it's it's really about personality. It's not about basically you don't so you don't want to go there. It's because it's about personalities. You don't like Jackson Hinkle. You don't. Uh, uh, that that's it. Like that's he's the main denominator. It's like with that guy that was there uh, today when he was arguing with you. I was I was listening. He kind of made me scratch my head when he brought up that Kashama Sawant was uh, a D. Uh, he was part of the Democratic Party because she's DSA. Yeah. Although I do, I do say, well, if you're part of socialist alternative, why are you part of DSA? Or anyways. Yeah, there's that aspect too. I mean, I don't belong to either one of those organizations. Yeah, because DSA is, is pro Democrat. So why are you even there? I mean, that that was like the only thing. But then, it, then it really developed into. He really wanted to prop himself up and his and his part and his party, and basically shit on socialist alternative. I mean, is his party gonna cut their salaries into half to basically give the rest to the workers like Kashama Sawanta did for ten? Is it she's been doing it for ten years, right? Yeah, it's she's been cut, ten years. She's cut, she's cut her salary off for ten years. Is this guy gonna do that? Is this party gonna do that when when they replace, let's say, a socialist socialist alternative? I don't think so. And the constant back and forth with this guy is like, that's all he wanted to talk about. Jackson Hinkle is a Nazi. Uh, Jackson Hinkle doesn't look like he, he, he like, he likes Nazism in the first place. I'm pretty sure he shits on Nazis all the fucking time when I used to watch him. Why would he want to join Nazis? It's like, there's criticisms to be made about Jackson Hinkle. But that one was a reach. And that's why I said, you need to be careful about making those kind of statements because <laughs> I mean, you you say that someone's a Nazi and they're not a Nazi, like that's slander, bruh. Well, it was yeah. spoken rhetoric. This is why when I say like so and so allegedly, this is why allegedly is that word actually matters. This is why saying things like I feel or I believe this is not a fact. This is just my opinion. Those things are very important. But you come on to a show. And you say that someone is a Nazi and you can't provide me any type of evidence or yeah. proof. Like, well, he said, da, 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 da. I was like, that doesn't make someone a Nazi, bro. That doesn't like, make someone a Nazi. Yeah, he, he had no proof. Like, uh, when I was talking to this guy on this call and he told me that Jackson Hinkle and Nick Brana, they're part of the, the LaRouche movement, that there's some kind of think tank that basically was part of the CIA. They were teaching them how to basically destabilize movements. I'm like, okay, if Nick Brana's in there and Jackson Hinkle's in there, uh, does Jimmy Dore know about it? Or is Jimmy Dore part of it? He's like, I don't know. I don't think Jimmy doesn't know that what Nick Brana's in there. And then why are you trying to, you know, lump Jimmy? I got my, I got my issues. Jimmy, he's still friends with Brana, but. I don't think you're going to basically label Jimmy as part of the LaRouche people just because he's in there. I don't think Jimmy would fucking agree with it, the, the people in the LaRouche. He's just agreeing the fact that you're anti-war. And then he tried to bring up the fact that uh, Jimmy is anti anti-trans. And he's like, what did he say? What, what did he say anti-trans? He's like, oh, he made a joke. I was like, what do you mean? You mean the joke when he said, talked about 
not taking hormone blockers and basically getting like uh, what do they call gender affirmation surgery? Like when the fuck did it, was that anti-trans? If you say to someone, stop taking hormone blockers or don't take a surgery, and like that made no fucking sense. You can't even basically label someone anti-trans by just saying those those are your two shots at Jimmy Dore. Um, I'm just gonna say that honestly, I think again, like the focus is on certain personalities to distract people and to deter uh, momentum for any type of event or movement. Look, we had an anti-imperialist summit on RBN that Jackson Hinkle was not a part of. People still smeared it. People still smeared it. We had people from Brazil on that summit this was an international event for Eric wants to talk about global. He was mentioning this earlier. We had people from all over the world, a part of the anti-imperialist summit. We had people from China. We had people from Brazil. Some of you guys remember this. We had people from, obviously we had like the gray zone guys. They were a part of it. Um, we had uh, people from Ethiopia that were a part of it. Like it was all over the world and people still smeared it. The same people who complained about, this rally is not anti-imperialist. Those same people smeared an anti-imperialist summit. This is what I'm trying to tell you guys. This is just a game for a lot of these people, man. This it, it's, like I, it's like I asked the guy, I said, well, when are you going to have your rally? Oh, he said, we're going to have one next week. Uh, Code Pick is having one. So I, I told him, look, why is, it, why is it that when the right does a rally, that's when you guys want to feel activated? It's like you, Joe Biden's here. You guys are basically asleep. You're on sleep mode until uh, 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 Donald Trump comes back in. And then you want to do your massive rallies. Well, it's not even, and I want to be very clear. There were multiple people who were speakers at this event. Chris Hedges, Dennis Kucinich. You know, there were over 20 people who spoke at this event. Uh, Pasta from Convo Couch was a speaker. Like, I, I didn't even show you like half of them. I showed you like maybe three speeches tonight. But there were multiple well, people. And it's just like they, they told they chose to focus on some people were like, Well, Ron Paul was there. I'm like, Ron Paul's fucking anti war. Why would you expect him not to be invited to an anti war event? Yeah, I mean even even the part where the guy was talking about Chris Hedges, the guy I was talking to on Colin, he he gave the same word speech. He said Chris Hedges wrote something on on, on his Substack, but then when he went in the at the event, and they had oath speakers, I'm like, Chris Hedges is not the fucking control of the event. He's not. He's not the one organizing me. He's a fucking speaker. See, if basically he says something in writing, and he comes in, and basically, well, I think it was Nick Brana and some other people that were doing it. So if the organizers basically do something that Chris Hedges said that he was not he was not he was against of like well, how is it his part how is Chris Hedges basically double speak well the same reason why they tried to blame those of us who attended the rally you heard what he said tonight he said your organization i was like wait a minute what organization what are you talking about yeah that was crazy i was like i'm not a part of this or what are you talking about there is no organization raging against the war machine is not an organization it was an event why are you calling it an organization? You see how he tried to use these terms to make it seem like I was a part of it. He was like, well, if you're allying with your, you're allying with these people and da, da, da. I wasn't even a fucking speaker, boo. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? 
Because the more he raged, it reminds me of that video where after Jimmy Dore did the Boogaloo Boy thing, he brought in, uh, he brought some guy from the, I, th- I think he was a socialist website. Is it the same? I think it's a guy from there. He brought one guy there and he told them, uh, what about that guy that I invite, I basically interviewed the Boogaloo Boy? What, what message do you have for that guy? I don't have a message for that guy. That guy's a right winger. I don't, yeah, it was I don't Jerry work. White from World Socialist website. It was Jerry White. That was exactly uh, who it was. Oh, yep. And he said, I don't really have one. I don't want to organize with him. And it's like, yeah, but he works there. So what are you going to do? Exactly. So I'm like, what the fuck? So how, how does the left supposed to basically win if you fucking think just on your move alone that you can win? I mean, if you have a fucking left hand, can you fucking lift an object without using the right hand? I mean, <laughs> I mean you can't I fucking do it I, one. Uh, unless you're fucking said, Superman, there's no way you can do it. It's one thing to sit back and criticize other people's events. It's another thing to criticize it and plan your own. And that is one thing I will say about Code Pink. They didn't want Medea to speak at this rally, which the strange thing was Medea was at the rally. And, and that's yeah. the thing that really like, I'm like, wait a minute now. So she can attend the rally. And she was up on the platform with the speakers. Like she wasn't in the crowd. She was up on the platform with the speakers. And she told us like, we'll be organizing such and such event to try to push for legislation to end this war if you guys want to join. Like, Medea was at Jimmy Dore's comedy show the night before. I was there. I saw her. She was there. Medea has no problem with these people that the organization apparently has a problem with. She has no problem with these people. Well, they went after her on Twitter. Like, she posted a clip of Jimmy Dore talking. It's like, yo, I love Jimmy Dore. Basically, they shitted on her on that tweet. And then <laughs> motherfuckers came for Jimmy Dore. I'm pretty sure I tweeted you that shit. They came for Jimmy Dore. They 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 had a post. Jimmy Dore's gonna use the bathroom. Wait a minute. Cut the Pentagon just said Anne Wright is with Code Pink. Anne Wright, the one who spoke. Didn't didn't Anne Wright give a speech at the rally? Yes, yeah, she did. So uh, back up, people. Let's back up the motherfucking truck. Why was it okay for Ann Wright to speak, but it wasn't okay for Medea to speak? Somebody make this make sense to me. Maybe she's the organizer. Who knows? Yeah. No, I'm but the, 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 organ, but the organization. It says oh, uh, Ann Wright is a member of the Code Pink National Staff. So where does Medea fit into that one? I think one she couldn't take the heat. I don't know. So a staff can speak, but a co a co founder cannot. Somebody was talking about it on Jimmy's show. Maybe was it Max? But the, but they're saying like there's this yeah, group no. in Code Pink that just wouldn't uh, that just wouldn't have it, and and Medea just um, I think just wasn't up for that fight. I guess it wasn't. But I wasn't think there's so show. much there's so much arguing back and forth about the speakers. Of course, it was going to be controversial because some of these people have some positions that are not quite anti-war. There are some who might be against funding the Ukraine war, but they're not anti-war otherwise. And when you mix this diversity of known positions, it would have been different if 90% of the speakers were not you know, known to people. And as we talk about Jackson Hinkle so much, I'm saying, was it really worth it to have him? Well, Because he is, his position has created so much controversy. And if he isn't a known 
has a history of being just anti-war, anti-war, anti-war. It's just, but then the people, if, if people have the principle and say, I'm not going to be on a platform with this person because of what it would look like. I'm, I'm anti-war, but I'm not going to appear on the stage because just the appearance sends the wrong message. That is a valid position. And I don't think it's any more of the people who chose to participate. It's no more legitimate for them to argue than it is for the people who argued against. It was an event. We knew that these type of critiques would appear. They have appeared. And just like CJ said, let's move on to the next event. Well, the thing, you is know, here, the thing is, I, I do want to point out, because I do want to make this clear for people who are not aware. The event was being smeared before it was even announced that Jackson Hinkle was a speaker. The event was smeared the very moment it was announced. People were smearing it because they were like, oh, no, Liberation Party, uh, Liber uh, Libertarian Party. Oh, no, uh, People's Party. People smeared it because of that. Some people smeared it because Jimmy Dore was announced as a speaker. Even before Jackson Hinkle was announced as a speaker, this event was already being smeared on Twitter. That's what I want people to understand. So even though, even before he was announced as a speaker, the criticism was already there because of who the organizers were. So that's what I'm trying to tell people. Even if Jackson Hinkle would have not spoken at this event, the criticisms would have still been there. So we really have to ask, what is it really about? I saw this again happen with the Medicare for All and Indy, Indy Left, you know about this, with the Medicare for All marches that were in over 50 cities across this country. People smeared that event left and right. G-Hive trolls on Twitter smeared it. You had people who were still part of the Democratic Party smeared it. Some of the po uh, political commentators who consider themselves to be leftists smeared this event. Most of them did not promote the event. They smeared it left and right. And by the way, this was before they even had the high profile name speakers. That was before that. They were smearing it from the very jump. Go ahead. Oh. Sean Miller saying CPI did a hit. That's what it was. That was a Max Max Blumenthal actually said something about that also on on Jimmy, Jimmy Dore. But yeah, I mean, they, they, I they're going to take Jimmy Dore. I think it was on Max's uh, own channel. He was interviewing. Was probably on both. Yeah, he talks about it all over. But but yeah, but uh, Max is going to be on Thursday. They, they've right? been doing Sabrina? this. They've been repeatedly doing yeah. this, and and some of them we know who they are, and some of them come out of the woodwork. And it's always the same kind of thing. It's this person is a Nazi and this person said something divisive and this person is a this and this person had a, had, had something happen in their past. And this person I don't want to be with because this person said something about this person on this show. And it gets crazy. And what what's lost is fighting the machine, fighting the message, uh, you know, fi fighting the people in Congress that are actually doing this and saying, we don't want you using our money to go fund Nazis in Ukraine. Forget about the Nazis that were in the crowd. There weren't Nazis in the crowd. There was there were two or three guys that they claim were. I mean, Rachel Maddow said something about Proud Boys. I, that's really yeah, funny because like, Proud, Proud Boys are all feds. No, Proud Boys, Boys are all feds. So basically, she was admitting that there were feds there because look, yes. they talked to CIA, they talked to the talking points. There were absolutely feds and infiltrators and plants in that crowd, including probably the guys that were waving that big, that big Russian flag. 
there the, were at least, there were a couple guys ru- leaving waving Russia flags. They were, were, were they? CIA. There were a couple of different groups running waving C- uh, Russian flags. There was one waving a uh, a Soviet flag, a hammer sickle flag. Um, that was who Caleb knows? Maupin's group. Well, that was them too. Wow. That's what they said. It was Caleb Maupin's group. Apparently, like they had, they did have an after party afterwards. Yeah. I didn't go to that. I'm glad I did not. Apparently, but uh, uh, so you, you wouldn't would believe the bullshit I, w- I heard about that one. Um, the guy I was talking to said that um, they had an after party. And he worried that if people would go to the after party, they'd get raped by Nick Brano. <laughs> oh my Nick Brano was at the after party. Yeah, like he was worried like women shouldn't go to the after party, they'd get raped by Nick Brano. I'm like, why would you think they when <laughs> somebody was gonna go to to a party to be raped? That makes no fucking sense. So you're making excuses. Then he asked me like, oh, what if there was a uh anti war rally, but it was attended by. Uh, KKK members, would I go there? I said, yeah. If the KKK members are not basically, uh, uh, they're not basically uh, televising, they're gonna lynch me at the KKK rally. I'll fucking go. I'll just say, like, people again need to look back at the Black Panthers and how they organized with groups that were not like them. How they had the Rainbow Coalition. This is not new. This is not new. This is what I'm saying. Like, some of these people who say they're leftists. They would be smearing Fred Hampton if he were alive today. These people aren't serious. They're not serious about starting any type of class movement. They say they are, but they're not. But Fred Hampton did ask that the members of those um, white supremacist organizations disavow of their beliefs. So my thing is this, you know, at some point, you and and this really screams to me about a conversation we had at a previous call in that the left is not organized there is no real organized left in this country that can spearhead and take the helm and those core foundational beliefs that make you a part of the left that piece is missing there is no organized thing so you know Anytime you make a motion to do anything, there's all of this fuss and static and distractions and disinformation and misinformation. And I think it really all serves to cloud the real objective. Right. But I'll also say, too, there were no white supremacists that were speakers at this event. I want to be very clear about that. None of the speakers were white supremacists. This is an exaggeration brought on by Rachel Maddow and other trolls on Twitter who have attacked every other fucking event that people have organized. It's just, it's absolutely mess. Go ahead, Indy. Yeah, not only were were they not widespread, this is again, one of the, one of the tactics that they use to turn people off is they say that there were, were, were these groups, but they never talk about the independence. The other thing that I kept hearing was it was a white supremacist but rally, but the Uhuru movement was there. You, mm-hmm. they were they were outside. Uh, look, Colin Colin Raddick's Carter from INN was there. IndieNews.network. Go check him out on INN News. I know you interviewed him and you you played that maybe even earlier tonight, or you've, you've got that coming up. Um, we also had Garland Nixon as a speaker, and they they talk about just white people. But look, Kim Iverson is is a person uh, of color. She she's she's not. There's plenty of people that were speaking at this event. That were not Anya. typical, quote unquote, white dudes, right? I mean, it 
it's honestly, you know, and, and you had, you had Jewish speakers, you, you know, and Max Blumenthal and, and others. I mean, it really was a coalition of people and they tried to smear this as a white supremacist libertarian run event. And it was really an independent party event. And they were not, not really a party, well, but a group of independents that are all kind of individuals saying, yeah, we've had enough of the system. This is bullshit. Well, let me say this too. Because people gave that same criticism about the Medicare for all marches. They're like, why there's all these white people? I'm like, what are you talking about? There were several black speakers. I was a fucking MC at the march here in Boston. That's actually how, for people who don't know, that's actually how I met Eric, my producer. I met him at the Boston March for Medicare for all. Like, what the fuck are people talking about? And most of the speakers that we had actually for the the, uh, march in Boston most of them were not white. And, and so it just, it. this is the thing that infuriates me. Like the people who are doing the critiques, they're not even there. They're not at these events. They're not a part of the organizing. They just jump in just to smear the action right off the jump. Now, I think that people do need to understand as well when we talk about like who the speakers are going to be. From what I understand, if you go back to watch that video when Misty came on to talk about the Rage Against the War Machine rally, remember what Misty said. Misty said they wanted to go with big names because they want a large turnout. I have no problem with that. And for people who are like, oh, it's just a bunch of white men, newsflash boo, left independent media is mainly white males. We've talked about this before on RBN. What do people expect to happen? You honestly think you were going to have all these people of color from like these podcasts and things like that. The left independent media space is predominantly white male and it's been that way for years. It's just now recently that you see more black uh, faces in this space. Before RBN, the only people that you had before RBN and before Bree started Bad Faith Podcast, who did you have? You had Nico House and you had Tim Blatt. That was it. What does that tell you, you guys? Yeah, because there were people even saying that the rally itself, well, they were racist. They said they were saying it was an anti-war rally. I I, I watched the entire thing. There was nothing anti-war said at the rally. Even people who have uh, certain positions like Tulsi and, and uh, what's his name, Jackson Hinkle, they stayed on message on the anti-war thing. They didn't say and Jackson Hinkle didn't say a damn thing when he did his speech. For those who are not aware, he didn't say anything in his speech about supporting or backing Russia or go Russia. Not at all. All these speeches are recorded. Now, what Jackson Hinkle says on his show, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen honestly. Damn, I felt bad for saying this on the Hill earlier today, but I admitted this earlier on the Hill today. Like, I hadn't seen it because. I stopped watching Jackson Hinkle's show after he got demonetized. When YouTube, when he announced that YouTube demonetized his show, I stopped watching it because I was like, well, that's, you know, and, and, and it's not just him. It's been others too. Like there's others that I know that YouTube demonetized their show and I stopped watching it because I know they also have Rockfin channels and things like that. But my whole thing is, is like, if YouTube came in and demonetized their whole channel, I don't want to give YouTube the ad revenue because FYI, guys, 
just because your channel is demonetized, that doesn't mean YouTube doesn't still run ads on that channel. They still run ads, but the content creator doesn't get paid for it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Jackson even says they owe him money. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Um, like, cause I said this before, like if Jackson or Chink or whoever, I think that's how you say his name, whoever is still for Medicare, which I know Chink is not, um, I was like being supported. It don't mean that I have to agree with everything on um, what everybody else agree with. But if you support most of the stuff I support, I will be with somebody. But the um, Jackson thing, like I feel like him and a lot of other people been shaking and baking for dollars. Like that's good at what you do, but it takes, you know, I feel like he's a shock jock now. He used to be more about like, <laughs> he used to talk more like, what's going on in Russia and stuff. And then what turned me off is I noticed too, when he got um demonetized, it's just, it went to me. It was like, he was a whore for dollars for daddy. <laughs> like it's, it's not a bad thing, but like, damn, you just flip like that. Like it's just crazy to me, but. Um, I want to ask something real quick, Sabrina. Did you get a chance to speak to, um, Dennis Kucinich? No, but I did get his contact info, so I am going to reach out to him. You just reminded me, Roger. I am going to reach out to him and invite him on um, to see if he can come in, because I have so many questions to ask him. Because, I mean, because I know that, um, you know, not to keep uh, harping on it, or whatever the case is, right? But look, I'm looking at just pivoting to what's going on in Ohio for a second, right? And I'm looking at the fact that I see I seen all those people at that that town hall meeting where the executive didn't show up from, you know, whatever rail it was that didn't show up or whatever. And they was worried about their health care, who's gonna take care of this and so on and so forth, right? right. And I think, you know, like a good question to, to ask him, um I was going to say Ohio to ask Kucinich is look, um, you can either go two ways, either try to force uh, Biden's hand to uh, do an executive order um, as done in uh, the social safety, the social security act section 1881 a where the EPA, once the EPA declares something as like a, a health emergency, health hazard, environmental hazard, or whatever the case is, that gives the president the authority to issue the whole entire state, Medicare for all, single payer, or go the route of, look, if they're not going to do it, you know, the people in Ohio can give themselves health care because, again, they are a citizen ballot initiative state. And they have the ability to pass laws indirectly and constitutional amendments directly, you know, and, and that might be an, an opportunity. Oh, am I still here? Oh, oh, yeah, sure. you're still here, Roger. Oh, okay. And that might be an opportunity for them to, you know, be like, you know what, let's get an initiative together and give ourselves a, you know, a Medicare for all, single payer as an amendment and a public bank to create the surplus needed to pay for. I just, you know, I just think, you know, if you put that question to him, you know, like see what he would say or whatever the case is.
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask him about. Um, that's actually part of the reason why I wanted to bring him on um, to see if he can advocate for that. Now, for those who don't know, like Dennis Kucinich is uh, mayor in Ohio. Uh, I think the mayor of Cleveland, actually. Um, so that's actually why I wanted to bring him on is to kind of push for that. But also um, there are some things that I know that happened with Dennis Kucinich uh, when he was in Congress that I think you guys need to hear more about in reference to like the two party system. So, yeah, definitely. I want to bring him on. And I also want to bring the railroad workers, the the two that came on to talk about um, wanting to go on strike. I want to bring them back on to talk to them about this situation in East Palestine, Ohio, because like I said, they've been kind of ranting about this. I think Max, I have to double check my DMs. I think Max might be coming on Thursday to talk about the rally. Um, I did get to meet him. I actually met him the night before at Jimmy Dore's show and I got to meet Anya as well. I met Tara Reed. Tara is like just so sweet. Um, I met her, I met Garland Nixon, like everybody was just like, so like even more awesome in person. Like the way that you see them like on their shows, like in person, they're even more awesome. Like, so it was, it was kind of surreal, like at Jimmy's show to see all of those people in one room at the same time. I had never experienced that. So go ahead, Eric. Well, I just wanted to mention that Kersenich is, is was a former mayor of Cleveland and then a former congressman and he did a unsuccessful primary run for Cleveland mayor in 2021, according to the Wikipedias. And I also wanted to note uh, Big Mad Crab uh, put in the um, in the chat um, a link to a tweet from uh, the Center for Political Innovation, CPI. And they said, uh, CPI wishes to apologize to the organizers we use Russian flags at our events and support Russia against U.S. imperialism. One of our members waved the Russian flag and was in the camera shot of our of the speakers. We did not intend to inappropriately impose our politics. Was uh, their tweet? Yeah. So especially if you have uh, if you have Max on, it would definitely be uh, talk to him some more about that. Yeah, it, it was definitely more than one member, but again, like they should have known better. Knowing that this rally was already attacked, I'm sorry, they should have known better. All right, Ashura, I'm going to finish up with you and bring in Cool Blue, if that's okay. Okay. Um, can you just uh, talk about the Trump thing, and I'll just hang up. What Trump thing? Oh, you know, Trump going over there saying he's go- he's about to go to that town <laughs> where Joe Biden is all the way in the Ukraine. Joe Biden said that he w- he this is where he has to be. Yeah, there's a clip yeah. where Joe Biden said, Joe Biden says he has to be in Ukraine. This is where he has to be instead of uh, Ohio. And Trump is going to be the one. I mean, that 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 Trump speech was fucking funny. I, I got to admit, I laughed my ass off when he was talking in that speech. He's like, oh, if, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't, FEMA and the other people wouldn't start rolling the cash and the trucks over there. Yeah, I think it's a political move by Trump, obviously. And I think it was stupid and foolish of Joe Biden to not be in East Palestine, Ohio, and to go to Ukraine instead. I think that was a stupid, foolish move. Uh, Go ahead, Cool Blue. You are on the mic. Just have to. Hello. Just want to make sure you can hear me. I can hear you. It's fine. Okay. um, Hello, Sabby, and hello to everybody. Uh, 
Eric T was mentioning a little earlier, and it was one of my favorite tweets by somebody who had a real good perspective on the rally this, you know, days before. It was Caitlin Johnstone. She uh, posted to Twitter. Her original tweet was February 10, 2023, this fall on a Friday. So it was nine days before, and it was at 8.38 a.m. Eastern time. And she wrote the following. It's about a paragraph worth. There will never ever be a large anti-war rally that doesn't get attacked for having the wrong speakers or the wrong message or the wrong whatever. Anytime an anti-war movement starts gaining momentum and turning heads, it will be attacked and it won't be for the reasons given. I like this tweet a lot because I think it has a way of really seeing through a lot of the bullshit. And a lot of what I came across, you know, from people who are not necessarily among the TYT crowd, but people that you figured you could trust. And um, I just, you know, I found from my own experience that since the Democratic National Committee and all of them in 2016 rigged the primaries against Bernie Sanders, I've been finding that since 2016, which was seven years ago, but we're now in 2023. And if you count them consecutively, this is eight consecutive years that the masks have been coming off the faces of a lot of people who ever had anything to do with the Democratic Party, even those who just simply voted for the Democratic Party. Um, I, I like this one from Jamal Thomas from about 2018 which was a way of trying to get one to distinguish. He basically basically said something along the lines, progressives are not Democrats, which was a nice way of sorting it and saying you're one or one comes before the other one. If you happen to vote Democratic, you happen to vote Democratic, but are you a progressive or are you a Democrat? And I find a lot of these people to be bottom line Democrats. They're not really progressive. Doing the rally was the right thing to do. And as far as I'm concerned, you just keep moving forward. I'm 51 years old and I will turn 52 this coming August. And whenever I think about my past experiences, one thing that I do note is that you come across people who will be in your life in whatever way for an amount of time you can't necessarily predict but they won't necessarily be in it for the rest of your life. And at some point you part ways, whatever explains it. And that is something that you get to be old enough, you recognize it. It's basically like, see you later. And that's the my position about these people who were trying to find anything to try and explain themselves as to why they oppose a rally. My position is, see you later. Well said, cool blue. And shout out to Caitlin Johnstone because she keeps it real. Uh, Yeah, these rallies will be attacked. Uh, My grandparents can tell you that the Vietnam War protests were attacked. Like, this is the thing. Like, this is going to happen. Um, And I think what's important when you do see these types of attacks happening, especially most of it happens on Twitter, when you see this happen, tune it out. And continue to focus on the event at hand. 
Yeah, because exactly. they want to discourage you. They really do. They want to discourage you and prevent you from going. Yeah. Cool blue. Yep. I think um, you, said, you said you was like uh, like around my age, whatever. I think when we were growing up, it was just programmed into us where as former Democrats and former Republicans, you're, you're all rowdy on the primary about we want this person, right? And then when that person doesn't win, then it was just, we were programmed to say, all right, well, got to get the kind of nominee. You know what I mean? And some of us, I mean, not here in this space, but some of us have not broken out of that. You know what I mean? I have to say, I used to be in that camp myself because that's how we grew up. You know what I mean? We we went through Mondale and, and Dukakis you know what I mean? And so on and so forth. It was just, oh, you supported this person in the Democrat primary. And then, oh, okay, you guys didn't win. I right, so we, then we just get together, whatever, whatever, right? But then I think, but then I think what this was, was the, um, I would say the millennials broke me out of that vicious cycle. You know what oh, I mean? I can... and, and I heard Jamal Thomas, like, I think Jamal Thomas was the first person that was like, oh my God, what are you? You're not gonna vote for, for 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 Hillary? She's, you know what I mean? Like, and it it was a it was a hard, it was it was a hard it was it's like um a hard intervention, a hard like um cold turkey off, like broke me out of that frame of thinking. You understand where I'm coming from? It was so, I have to give credit the millennials for doing that because i was trapped in that myself i never you, was oh well shit, well you was ahead of my time so. no here's <laughs> the thing here's the thing i grew i was born in 1971 and i grew up with my parents never talking about their politics i asked my mother one time she's not alive anymore i asked her it, you know i kind of wanted to ask her did you vote for this president or that president and she told me i don't remember it was really her way of saying, and I realized it later, she was basically saying, I'm not going to tell you because I want you, as you become of age, to figure these things out for yourself. My parents did not did not involve the Team Red versus Team Blue stuff. And we had a lot of 40 state outcomes, and they probably voted for some of those anyway. But basically, um, I had no problem saying no to the Democrats after the rigging of the primaries in 2016. And I haven't voted for them in any election since. There's nobody from the Democratic Party who will get my vote in a general election. So I had no problem because when they rigged the primaries against Bernie Sanders, they rigged them against every person who voted the nomination to Bernie Sanders. And not only that, all the Russia gating is a form of McCarthyism. They're trying to force vaccinations on people when people are trying to taken into consideration whether or not they can handle that. And then the censorship through social media partners and all this kind of stuff. The Democrats have nothing to offer me. And frankly, I don't need them. They're the ones who are supposed to need me. But the way it is, I'll vote for a Republican before I vote for a Democrat if I insist on voting between the two parties. 
I see the Democrats vote for the ballot initiative. Right. I see. So there is no emotion tied in. But a lot of these people who, you know, online independent media, they may as well be working for the Democratic Party if they're not getting paid under the table to do so. Um, Point. Um, yeah, Jonathan, oh, I invite I invited you to be a uh, a speaker. I think that's that's a good point is like some people do become emotionally attached to politicians. And I think that's a dangerous thing. I really do. You I guys broke me out of that. that. No, you, you should not do that. Um, Because especially once they know that they got you, that's it. That's it. That's why I keep telling people you can't be friends with these people. I'm not friends with them. Like, it's just, you, you can't because like, they know that, oh, you're my friend. So of course you're going to support me. And then you feel bad if you don't support them. Like, you can't have that, man. You just can't. And so I think that we need to pay attention to that. People, people who are politicians that are trying to be your friend. No, you can't be my friend, boo, because you are just trying to get my vote, my, my vote and my support. I got to keep you at an arm's distance. You have to be. You know, I got a bubble around me, and mm-hmm. you can't pop that bubble. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. There are people who don't even know what the point is of voting. They don't. It's like they're in a team sports mentality, and if their preferred team wins, that's all there is. It's it's not like Ralph Nader used to ask the question, what did you win? So, which means like, okay, you prefer the Democratic Party. The party prevailed in a presidential election. Afterward, when you can see what they did, what did you win? And that is a question everybody, no matter how they vote, should ask himself. It's a very good question. Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I want to bring in Jonathan. Jonathan, you're a speaker. I'll be saying good night. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cool Blue. What's your take on all of this? And then I'll bring in um, Eric as well. You just have to unmute Jonathan. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Um, my take is pretty simple. Well, I did not, I only got, <laughs> I was trying to watch the live stream, but as you know, that wasn't the best. The only thing I was able to really catch that I could see was your interview with um, Dr. Joe Stein. Um, I think that for me, the simple, I mean, I, I saw the video where you talked about how MSNBC was covering the um, covering the protests. The silver lining I can at least say of this is that if people are really smart, those who watch MSNBC, is that they will start to look at they start to do their own investigation as far as what was the protest actually about. Because without that, people will even know what the people outside of um, people outside of those who watch independent independent media like ourselves would actually be exposed to what the protest was about. That's the only thing I have to say about um, or uh, about the protest. Um, I do want to bring up one thing, if you don't mind. It's actually something I meant to bring up last week. Um, Roger made a comment on, on YouTube, which actually was sort of incorrect. He said that Pen- Temple is a state school. Temple is not a state school. It's a Commonwealth school. There's a difference. There's only four in Pennsylvania. We have well, sorry, I don't live in Pennsylvania, but when we live, when I live in Pennsylvania, there are state schools and there are Commonwealth schools. Temple, Pittsburgh, Penn State, and Lincoln are Commonwealth schools. 
meaning that they get funding from the state, but they don't answer to the state. So their board of directors are not controlled by the state. They have their own separate board of directors. The difference is that if a temple, that's why Temple University is able to do with it what they're able to do. They can fire teachers that even that are even tenured because they don't answer towards the state. They answer to the board. I only know this because um, Lincoln University, my rival, our rival school, because I went to Cheney, they have fired their president over a comment that he made. Generally, when a president gets fired, they have to go. You have to go through a process before they are fired. Usually, they're not fired. They're usually forced to resign. Where Lincoln, they just fired the president because, oh, you said something I didn't say. They, the board said, no, you got to go. So that's the difference between the two. Also, and reference that, Temple actually has a whole, <laughs> sorry, Temple has a whole medical network, which I can't stand why the students are not covered under the network. I mean, meaning that Temple, how can I say this? Temple not only has a hospital, a dental school, but each in some parts of Philadelphia, they actually have specialty um, medical centers. So if you want to go to a neurologist that's affiliated with Temple, you can go there. The same thing with the University of Pennsylvania. So the schools, the school in itself, Temple is a huge thing in Philadelphia besides, besides University of Pennsylvania. Those are the two big major universities that are in, um, in Philadelphia. And also, you, um, Sab, you said... Um, Temple is in Center City. It's not in Center City. It's actually in North Philly. They have a campus in Center City, but it's actually located in North Philly. There's a big difference between the two. They're actually trying to gentrify where Temple University Hospital is and Temple University, which are about eight blocks between each other. They're trying to gentrify that whole section so they can connect all of the medical centers and the university together. Oh, okay, because so I know when I was in Philly, I was in Center City and I saw Temple, but that, like you said, yes. that might have been so, one of the campuses. Um, but what you said about the medical facilities, you know what other school is like that? UNC Chapel Hill. University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill is the same way. They have like multiple medical facilities throughout Chapel Hill. And actually, if you were to remove UNC from Chapel Hill, a lot of people would lose jobs, and that's because they own so much. And that's how it is the University of Pittsburgh, and they Pittsburgh actually is spreading outside of Pittsburgh. So a lot of these university hospitals, that's just yeah, UNC, um, even George Washington in D.C. Um, unfortunately, um, Obamacare actually really tore down. Well, made university. I think that Howard University had to Howard University Hospital had to sell some of their property because of Obamacare, but yeah. So, so Jonathan, so they, yeah. they get, they get um, public money, yeah. but they don't, but um, it's not a state board. Correct. Is what you're the saying. The state board is Pashy's Pennsylvania state system of higher education. They don't answer to them at all. So they have their own separate board. So that sounds like a charter school. <laughs> uh, you know I work at charter school. So I, so exactly, they have a they, but, um, they have a school board for the state. Uh, I, I I got I got to run, everyone. Take care, okay. Savvy's do so good to, to join. Thank thanks everyone. Take care. Bye bye. Sorry. Thanks so much. Uh, I want to bring in Eric. Eric, you have to unmute. Is That's this the same Eric? Eric? This Eric is a kid. 
no, this is a kid. This is not that Eric. Uh, <laughs> Eric, you're on the mic. You have to unmute. Go hey, ahead. how you doing, Savvy and, and crew? Hey. How hey, are how you? are you? Hey, good, good. It was it's, it. It's been a few weeks since I called in, um, but I I was able to watch some of the rally, not all of it, because I, I had to work. But uh, I did get to watch some of it. I'm very grateful that you were out there uh, streaming for us. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I was on the chat line, you know, with all the, the usual folks. Uh, and I noticed that, you know, some people um, that I didn't always, I haven't seen all of them, but I mean, the regulars were not making the comments that I kind of have a little bit that makes me kind of, you know, think about, you know, some of the comments that I saw were against Jackson. Um, I, and, and, you know, I started chatting back on the stream while you were there saying, you know, that I'm, I'm really, I, I oppose all these purity tests and, and that Jackson, albeit that, you know, I, I don't agree with everything he said. Uh, he's a young guy and he, I think he's done a good job on some of the debates that he's, that he's done. Actually, I, I thought he's done a really good job debating, you know, much older people than him. And and that, you know, I don't see why they hate the guy so much. But it's to me, it's just basically jealousy and hate to some degree. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that he's done anything tremendously wrong. And in fact, right before he got taken off of YouTube, he had gained, I think, like 100,000 subs. And he was a voice on this eco left system that we have that, that, you know, and he would talk well about a lot of different people, but I noticed that a lot of people had a lot of hate for the guy to me, from what I could see looking at it from a neutral stand, you know, I have nothing to gain. I'm not his fan per se. I, I did subscribe to him when he was on and I got to watch him and listen to him, but not every day. Uh, it was just plain hate that I could see. Uh, I, I didn't see any malice in what he was trying to do. He's still trying to find himself from from listening to him and just watching him. He's a young person trying to find himself through this process of, you know, what he's speaking about. Very, you know, young. Of, very, and, very young. Right. And so we live, you know, our lives, you know, every decade we change and we grow. If we're lucky, we get to grow. Right. And evolve if we're lucky and fortunate to do so. So he's a young person trying to evolve and trying to make his way through this world. Uh, it's not easy. And people hating on the guy, I, I just don't get it, you know. Uh, I think and, it's, are you on Twitter? No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Okay, that's, that's why you don't get it. Yeah, I think I, I, a lot of the criticism comes from some of the comments that he's made on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, I'm not privy to that. I'm not on Twitter at all. I don't live on, in that world. Uh, so you're, you're probably right. Maybe that's where that's coming from. But for instance, you know, me, I analyze and, and, and I tend to uh, see a lot of a lot of bullshit. You know, like with the guy today, the guy, Eric, that you had every time that you asked him, Savvy, when he was saying that he was making the comment that there was many people at the rally that were either Nazis or that were fascists. And then, you, you know, luckily you, you push back at him really hard. And the only example that he come back with, not even an example, the only person that he'd go back to was Jackson. And he kept going back to Jackson over and over. And at first, you know, there was things that he was saying. I was like, okay, this guy, maybe he's thinking, before he got to that point, 
he's maybe he's making a point of some points that may be valid, but then he started to talk about uh, 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 Savant, oh, and I was have a hard time saying her name, Kashama uh, Savant. And so when he started to go and say some comments about her that just didn't make any sense, I had to stop and say, wait a minute, where is he taking this to? He has this rehearsed. He knows what he's talking. He knows what he wants to say. And you, you started to question what he was saying about her. And then as he's talking, he's trying to make an educated, uh, you know, what he's saying to sound educated, right? So that when people are listening to him, they're like, okay, maybe he's making sense. But we here in your audience, we know instinctually, innately, we know that, that he's coming up with just BS because we've listened to her and we know that that's not what she's saying that she's about, what her positions are. And then when you went back and you kind of pushed back a little, a little bit deeper and he then said, oh, uh, he went back to like 10 years, whatever she was doing or saying 10 years ago, which, yep. is, which is completely a false way of, of, of framing anything because you can go back 10 years to anybody. I mean, our positions will change over a, a matter of, you know, a couple of years, let alone 10 years for that matter. And I, I can't remember who was talking, you know, one of the gals here that may, was making a great point that. He's try he was trying to make a larger point for his organization's agenda worldwide, right? But yep. even but even so, Savvy, even if he's trying to make a point worldwide, his point does not equate to something good or positive if he's gonna attack or make comments like this on somebody like her or even Jackson for that matter. He's not going to gain people. He's not going to gain, our, you know, the, the audience's trust, us or anyone else really, you know, paying attention. So why is he doing that? You know, so I, as I step back and I start watching and listening to this guy, he comes across as suspect, as somebody who's planning and just BSing. For what reason? I, you know, I don't quite know, but it just didn't make any sense. You don't make friends by saying these things. Even more so with the fact that the left is so tiny. I mean, you know, the left ecosystem is tiny, but we're, you know, we're gaining momentum. We're getting better. This rally was wonderful because as I watched your screen, there was thousands of people watching it. Uh, Yo, and, and, I couldn't you know. even tell just for, for people not understanding, like, because I was kind of in the sun because it was actually 60 degrees. Like that day, the weather was pretty nice. The day before, it was actually cold. It was colder in DC than it was in New Jersey. Okay. So like we were coming through because we drove. We were in New Jersey. It was kind of humid. And then we got to DC. I was like, what the fuck is this? I feel like I'm back in Boston. I was not prepared. Okay. Um, but I did notice that, that like, I, I, th I felt like, there seemed to be this push to basically get people away from socialist alternative, get people away from Shama Sawan, get people away from organizing with anybody that doesn't agree with every single thing that you agree with. And I'd already had that. I already had this conversation with him prior to him coming on the show. And he made it very clear to me that he had no intention right he had no intention of coming off harsh or strong in fact originally this conversation was supposed to be about why democratic socialism and dsa 
still functions in a capitalist society. That was the discussion. Then he came back later and he said, I also want to talk about the rally. He said, I'm not going to be harsh or whatever. I just want to explain where we stand. And I said, okay, next thing I know, dude is calling people Nazis, like on my show. And I'm like, you need to have something to back that shit up. Cause I'm not going down for you, bud. I'm not going down with the ship for you because you're making accusations about people that you have no data or evidence to back that up. Now, like I said before, there are many criticisms that I have about Jackson Hinkle, but I think calling Jackson Hinkle a Nazi is a fucking reach. And that's where I got, that's when I really, I think it was two things. It was him saying Shama Sawant was operating the Democratic Party. I call bullshit on that. Shama Sawant has been on multiple shows. She's been on my show. She's been on Bree's shows multiple times. She's been on RBN multiple times. We've had this discussion with Shama Sawant multiple fucking times about the Democratic Party. So that right there rubbed me the wrong way when he was like, yeah, she's working with the Democrats. Since when? How was she working with Democrats? She didn't run. Listen, she had to face a fucking recall. She didn't run through the Democratic Party. So there, there was that. And then two, she has denounced the Democratic Party multiple times. She's come after DSA national organization on Twitter multiple times. <clears throat> and she's come after progressives in Congress. So that thing. And then for him to say, I said, oh, so you don't like the rally because of Jackson Hinkle. Well, no, it's not because of the personalities. But then this motherfucker continued to bring up Jackson Hinkle. I was like, oh, so what is about Jackson Hinkle? Then he goes on to say he's a Nazi. I was like, wait a minute now. When you're making those kind of allegations about people, you need to be very fucking careful. That's right. That's my take. Okay. The, um, Definitely. The, uh, oh, man, what I was going to say. Go uh, ahead, Roger. Yeah. Um. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, shoot balls. Go ahead, Eric. Um, you know, what I was going to say was that. Oh. Oh. You got it, um, Roger? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one thing, put all that stuff aside for a second. A personality trait that really gets under my skin um, about, about this guy is the fact I don't like people who keep interrupting people okay you let him say what he had to say and when it was your turn he's interrupting you on your show <laughs> okay i was just like press the mute button on this guy it was, he kept going on and on and on and on and i'm like yeah maybe you need to like you know shut the fuck up maybe and 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 listen you know what i mean it's just like so I don't know. This, this, this. It, I don't know. It seems. I guess maybe World Socialist Alternative. I mean, the World Socialist website just got infiltrated. You know. So I, since he likes to accuse people, how's that for an accusation? They got well, infiltrated. Well, apparently, like I mean, they're they're, they're Trotsky's, and so CJ. I'll, I'll, to be honest with you, I don't know what that is. Trotsky's. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Trotsky. Like there's there's Marxists, there's Trotsky's mm. socialists, different types of socialism. And so um CJ apparently saw 
CJ apparently saw it. Mm-hmm. And CJ said, CJ texted me. That's why I was looking down at my phone like later on. <laughs> and CJ texted me and CJ was like, apparently, I guess Eric had reached out to them too. And he said that like, they don't believe in like the middle road thing, like working with across the aisle and stuff like that. So there's that. But that that's, it's, that's impossible to do. You know, I mean, we can't have any sort of movement, any sort of numbers that would really counter and create a, create the amount of gravity and weight that you need to get anything done. You can't do it. And that the mentality that he, that he was communicating just saying, well, we're not going to, you know, in a way, we're not going to accept anything other than what we are professing to say that this is the path to success. You can't get nowhere like that. You just can't. There's not enough people uh, and you're going to make more enemies than than anything. So it's it's the wrong path. It's what Jimmy Dore always talks about. And he has a he has a, a, a canned message that he always says about, you know, if I go somewhere and if I want to essentially create a movement i can't just go to a room and say okay who here is a who here doesn't like red okay you're out who here doesn't like the color blue you're out who here doesn't you know what i mean jimmy always talks about that and and it's true you can't do that you you can't have a movement and just negate everybody just because of one thing that they don't have uh, that you don't agree with um that's not the way you do it. It just does. It will not work. We need more numbers behind us. And the way to do it is to really come across uh, all the bullshit and unite on the things that really matter to all of us. And in, in that way, we become much more powerful coming together. It doesn't mean that we agree on everything, uh, but it means that we come together on the things that really matter to all of us. And then in doing it that way, you even find, you know, once you kind of break through the bullshit savvy with people, even if you don't agree with everything, you you could become really good friends with people, regardless of all the things that you don't agree with them. And then that's where you really make things work as humans. And you could you could you know, you could break that down to at work. You could break it down to people that you meet in some social setting. And that's where the, the real you know humanity comes across, because you start to say, oh. I, I can look at this person that I don't agree everything that they do the way they do it. But now I understand, you know, now I understand how is it that this person does what they do. And there's some humanity that comes into us that we transcend the bullshit. Uh, and you can't have the mentality that this guy was displaying. It, it won't get you anywhere, regardless of how many books he had in the background. <laughs> you know, it just we can see through his bullshit. And and I think, you know, that's what I love about you because you called them out immediately. You didn't like, you didn't mince your words. You were like, hey, dude, what are you saying? Nothing, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to let you know right now that this doesn't make sense. And and your audience, meaning us, we're all up on that. And we completely, you can see it through the comments as the chat is sort of progressing. We're all like saying, well, what, what is he doing? What is he talking about? <laughs> And and that's what makes this so successful with, with RBN because we are real time either seeing what you guys are speaking about and you guys are real time educating us as well uh, for good and, you know, with mistakes or whatever. And and also today's show, I, I don't know what it was, but today's show, I think you guys had a huge audience because I thought I saw more than close to like 2,000 people 
viewing when the all five of you, five of you guys were on, and I don't know if, if I've been missing some of the shows, but I thought that was like a huge audience that you guys had today, Savvy. And I thought that was awesome. You know, like the, the amount of people that were watching you guys. I don't know if, if it's been like that the last few weeks or if it was a spillover from the rally uh, streaming, but it was just, it was awesome to see that many people. I, I, so I don't know if I've been missing the shows, but it was like, wow, so many people watching. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know necessarily what uh, brought people over, but um, I, I noticed that too. Um, but it, it was it was something that that really brought people over uh, today. Like I don't know what happened. Like all of a sudden, it's like over a thousand people watching, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean- yeah. It had to do with the the rally. Don't be surprised. Um, Don't be oh, surprised. Oh yeah, <laughs> that could yeah, have I'm, been it. You know, I wonder because you guys know I'm not live on Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. so I wonder if Jimmy going to talk about this tomorrow night, or if Jimmy will be. I no, if Jimmy yes. will be. Well, I wonder if it'll be him if he'll be back because I think. Um, oh, Aaron. Yeah. I think Aaron was doing the show for him. So I wonder if Jimmy will be back tomorrow. But if he's back tomorrow, you know, he probably going <laughs> to. I, I just want to say, Thomas Richardson, I saw you in the chat. I sent you a message. Hit me up. I, I sent a, you know, that little uh, envelope thing that Sabrina, you told me about before. So he, he was asking about that initiative. So hit me up. Well said. Well, uh, Eric, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go on to Hector. Thank you, Sabi. Thank you. Thank thank you so much. I'll probably grab a couple more people and then I do have to head out. Um, Let's go ahead and bring in Hector. You are the next caller. What's up? How you doing? Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, Before I say anything about the rally, which I was able to attend, great event, by the way. Um, You you mentioned earlier that you're going to interview uh, Dennis Kucinich? I'm going to try well, to. I have his contact info now, so I'm going to reach out to him. Oh, well, great, because I'm actually from Cleveland. I could give you a little bit of background information that might help you. The most important thing you need to know about Dennis Kucinich is his fight with Cleveland Public Power. This happened back in the 70s when he was mayor of Cleveland, of course. And there was an attempt to privatize the utility. And he fought back and he actually won this fight. And Cleveland Public Power is still a public utility to this day. But he paid really? a heavy price. Yes. Still to this and it's probably two to three times cheaper than the the other power power companies that are still around that are private. Yeah. So he won that fight. But the price he paid was huge and this I think I think this is really when you see the capitalists start to amass their power. I think this is around when it starts to begin. So what they did, what they did to him was pretty evil. Cities aren't allowed to run a budget deficit. You have to you have to have their books completely down to zero at the end of the year. And routinely, they would get a loan from the banks to to fill any discrepancy in the budget. Well, all the banks wouldn't loan to the city, and it was the first major city to go bankrupt. 
And so re-election time, the other like, look, he bankrupted the city. He bankrupted the city. And he ran him out of office. Hector. Yeah. I'm waiting to support you when the, when you run that ballot initiative for Ohio Medicare for All and Ohio Public Bank. I'm ready to go. You ready, ready to go. for it? <laughs> I'm ready for when you are ready to do it. Since well, first thing first, let's take care of this war. <laughs> uh, I, I, Hector, I hear you, but you know what? Hector, you were yeah, there no. at the rally. Which side were you yeah, on? I, were you in um were you on my side in front of the speakers or behind the speakers? I was actually like behind you like three rows back. What? <laughs> yeah, I was you pretty close. I was pretty I was pretty close to you actually. Oh man. Yeah, uh, you know all those, a, you know all those Russian, you know those Russian flags that were waving around. I was right next to those people. Oh man, I don't know what you <laughs> look like, Hector, because I see a wolf in your picture. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Maybe I'll update it sometime. But yeah, I saw you. Yeah, go ahead. People can't wait till the war is over. They need health care now, baby. I mean, we can. I like to focus on one issue. Let's get let's get something done before we throw I'm more things in the basket. What? <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. But, but you know what, though? Let me tell you something. You you get, you can get it done faster. Uh, doing doing what you're doing at home, then then you know this 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 like, we can't force the uh the federal government to get out the war. We can do what we can with the rallies, which we all support, and all that different type of stuff. But there is something you can actually do right then and there in your state, like. Physically, mechanically, like you could actually make it happen. You know, I'm you know, with you, and this is a great segue. This is actually a perfect segue to, to our wanted, what I actually wanted to talk about. No one's brought it up. But at the rally, there was a lot of great speakers. But I think uh-huh. one of the most important thing was when they talked about when they talked about step two. I thought this was actually brilliant. They told people to go home and get ready to organize locally that there was going to be another date given and that we we're going to do the same thing, but on a local level. So every state would have something going on on the same day around the same time. And I, I wish they had a date ready, but I thought that was such a brilliant idea. Instead of telling people just to show up, now they're telling them to go do something, which I thought was great. I think there's a lot so, of energy so, out there so, and people so, want to so do check, something. So check this out. When you do that, okay, That'll be the perfect, you'll be in the perfect element. Yo, we're trying to get this, we're trying to get the uh, Ohio Medicare for All on the ballot. We're trying to do a petition drive. You know, yeah. we're trying to get Ohio Medicare for All and a public bank on the ballot. You'll have yeah. it right there. All those people around you, all of these Ohioans around you doing local uh-huh. stuff and so on and so forth. Yo, we're trying to get this. Look at how messed up the federal government is not going to help us with our health care. We got what's going on in East Palestine. Okay. It blew up the entire state. Wind took it everywhere. We're going to have all different types of health care issues. I don't think the federal com- government is coming to help us. We need health care right now. Please sign this ballot initiative so we can get Ohio Medicare for, on the, for all on the ballot and Ohio Public Bank for, to help pay for it to build a surplus. Boom. Right there, bro. Okay, so okay, I'm, I'm going to contact Dennis Kucinich tomorrow. He's on my list. There's a couple people i got to contact, but he's on my list. I'm going to contact him tomorrow to see if he can get something moving in reference to Ohio. Because technically, yes, they could use the same excuse that Libby Montana used and said, listen, we had an environmental catastrophe 
So we should be able to get Medicare for all for everyone in Ohio. What do you guys say about that? Help. I mean, I'm all for Medicare for all. And if not, then do it yourself with the ballot initiative in case they don't. And that could spread. But it could spread, Roger, to the bordering states because of the fact that, remember, Mm -hmm. East Palestine is right on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. That's true. So it could spread to Uh the bordering states and we could say, hey, the bordering states would be like, hey, my town was affected, too. Where's my Medicare for all? And then there Uh you go. Exactly. It's a great idea. I'm I'm, I'm with it. I'm totally with it. And and you convinced me. (laughs) And and, and Hector, also, you can have it in there. So the New York Health Act and the Massachusetts Medicare for All Act also have in there. You don't necessarily have to live in the state to receive it. You just have to work in the state. So so your family will inherit it. So you touch um, how many states? Like five states, Uh, Kentucky, what, Michigan or something? Uh, I forgot, Indiana, something like that. West Virginia, whatever the case is. So you could affect all of those states, you know what I'm saying? And putting pressure on those other states to do it. Right. And you're thinking Uh, ballot, ballot initiative is definitely the way to go. As an amendment, because anything that punches up it gives an uppercut to power. You must do it as an amendment because if you don't and you do it as a law, then what will end up happening is the um, your government will end up repealing it or weakening it without having to ask you, unlike they would have to ask you if you did it as an amendment. You're so talking about you a, cost, a state constitutional amendment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You can, so, like, for, so you're indirect for, for laws for you know the state statute initiatives which means after a successful petition drive um, you send it to the state legislature to adopt or reject if they don't have enough votes and they reject it then it goes to the voters but for an amendment it's direct which means after a successful petition drive it goes straight to the voters for ratification great that's better get rid of the politicians <laughs> yeah, absolutely no, I like it. There's um, I'm guessing there's some work already being done. Uh, what for Ohio Medicare for? Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. No, there isn't. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> He's trying to get you to do it. But um, Hector, is there anything else you want to say about the rally? I want to get to a couple more people, and then I'm going to close out. Yes, I'll keep it short. Um, the thing I want to say is I was actually at the second event. I don't think anybody else talked about that, the CPI event. And that was okay. a lot of people couldn't go because the room the room only held 50 people. So there wasn't a lot of people there. But Scott Ritter was a surprise guest. I didn't know he was going to speak there. And uh, he said something really important that I want people to know about. Um, he talked about the nuclear prol- proliferation treaties. And he talked about how Trump pretty much tore them apart and that there's only one left and it expires in 2026. So I think we need to keep our eye out for 2026 to make sure that treaty is reaffirmed because it's the last one standing. If he's that keeps our the, if he's talking about the Stark agreement Putin just announced today um in his counter speech to Biden that he is considering pulling out of that I wouldn't blame him because the United States pulled out of all the other ones first. So 
It's kind of his way of payback. I kind of right, get that. and they see. We need to, so we need to push the United States to resign it. And they see the American um, funding of the Ukraine side of the war as an intervention, and so you know, and the U.S. is threatening um, China, saying you can't assist Russia and this and that. So Putin, is, in his State of the Nation address, has indicated that they're considering pulling out of the Stark Agreement. Stark or salt or whatever it was called. Stark. I mean, yeah, it's going to be. A, we're going to have another nuclear arms race, and you know, I don't. Have, I don't think America has any troubles wanting to spend money on weapons, so it could be pretty ugly. I just sent Hector. I just sent you in the private thing. The uh, well, you, you'll see it. Um, and it's I on the call-in app. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, you know, little uh, an envelope thing or whatever the case is. Um, I saw some people asking me, is Texas, is this state or this state a citizen ballot initiative state? So I'm just going to name it real quick what the citizen ballot initiative states are. California, Colorado, uh, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Montana, Missouri, Oklahoma, Oregon, um, Michigan, Ohio. Florida, Maine, Nevada, Idaho, Alaska, Wyoming, Washington, Utah, Massachusetts. Did I say Florida and Maine? Yeah, that too. Um, and I think, did I say Missouri, Montana? Yeah, that, that too. I, did I say California? Yeah, so I think that those are the ones I remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, uh, I, bet you, I bet you I can get a lot of signatures in East Palestine. I'm pretty yeah. sure you could. <laughs> I'm also going to try start to get... there. I might start there. Yeah, I'm also going to try to get the mayor from East Palestine on as well, if I can. Ooh. I'm pretty sure he's being bombarded right now, but I'll try to get him as well. But Hector, thank yeah, you yeah. so much. I want to go ahead and oh, bring in uh, Cryo. Two quick, two real quick things, just so you know. The the Ohoro African Socialist Party did speak at the secondary event as well, and Dan Cohen was able to speak too about Haiti. So uh, the Ohoro... The horror group spoke about the raid of the FBI. So that's probably why they weren't on the main stage is because they wanted to speak on a different issue. But I just wanted to let you know they did get a chance to speak in front of a crowd. Yeah, they did speak in front of the White House, too. That's good. But yeah, they they were there for the CPI event. So that was cool. All right. That's all. Awesome. Great. Let's bring in uh, Cryo. Cryo, you are the next caller. And then I'm going to bring in Steve and Brent. Um, Lysol... I, I tried to invite you as a speaker, so uh, check that. But go ahead, Cryo. Hey, Savvy. How are you? Hey, how are you? 11 a.m., 111. So <laughs> I just want to um, say that the rally really did um, surprise me in a positive way. I didn't end up going. Um, it was going to be a last-minute thing if I did anyway, but... Uh, I was watching it online. I watched your stream and I watched what I could of the gray zone. And um, I think it was really positive. And, um, you know, I remember myself saying it just seemed like it was set up to fail. And I think the fact that Rachel Maddow covered it at all (laughs) is not a failure. Any press is good press. Um, I feel like there's 
a lost connection here with the Vietnam era, which I was not um, around for, but uh, my, um, you know, I'm old enough to have, um, you know, a father that uh, went there and, and was affected and um, by all the, the, the horror and the trauma. And um, it's not, um, you know, my memories of the, the anti-war movement for that was student-led. Um, there were so many musicians that got on board for this, popular musicians, um, you know, Jackson Brown, um, James Taylor, Led Zeppelin, you know, the Beatles, I, I guess. <laughs> There's so many musicians that sold a lot of records and made a lot of money off of this anti-war movement back then. And it's kind of cringe to look at a lot of them now. Um, if you look at their Twitter feeds, the ones that are still around, even the, the metal musicians that I love. And, um, you know, it's just it's really cringe because the, um, you know, the, the music industry took note of what made money. Um, and the kind of piece that we want is not the kind of piece that sells. OK, the kind of piece that we want is a rational non, you know, it's anti-imperialistic, it's anti-capitalistic um, from our perspective. You know, we don't want um, these false icons in the White House anymore. We want our own um, people. You know, it's we it's supposed to be we the people, but it's very, very far from that. So, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, there's similarities here. Uh, we have a lot of popular speakers on our end of the of the perspective, but it's not being covered because it's not, um, you know, ta uh, Taylor Swift. It's not, <laughs> um, you know, we don't have the kind of people that are making the capital right now in the music industry uh, interested in damaging their, their, um, you know, um, damaging, you know, their whole career just to show up at an anti-war rally. I don't really think it matters who's running it. It's not, you know, that's just bull crap. Um, I think everyone from every kind of movement can come together for this kind of thing. It's just common sense. Um, and I think it's a really false position, in, in my opinion. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people here that don't hold this opinion, but when you say, well, America shouldn't go invade other countries, but then you have to have to qualify that with, well, Russia shouldn't have invaded the Ukraine. And yeah, you can't really say. And then they requalify it with, well, you can't really say that Russia wasn't provoked and this and that. Well, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Venezuela has a standing army. I'm pretty sure that you know, Bolivia and many other countries in Latin America have to have some sort of semblance of a standing army in order to protect their um, people from the overthrow of a coup or a, you know, the leader, if the leader is not on the side or the, or the army is not on the side of that leader, you know, that leader is in a lot of trouble. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a there is a, a reason to have a defensive standing army and um 
I think it's been going on for so long, uh, so many lies to, uh, you know, the, the countries that even we're allied with, uh, the United States is overstepping. Like we are just so overstepping. I think it's like, it's such a game. Um, you know, I, I just don't see what point it is to say that the United States is not the cause of all these people having to have a defensive stance to protect their own people. You know, you have to have a standing army, you know, so to go to a peace and to go to an anti-war rally and say this is Russian propaganda and uh, or to not even go just to go and criticize someone on national television and say, well, this is Russian propaganda. Well, why don't you show up and make your point there, Rachel Maddow? Why don't you go show up? And why don't all these people with their Twitter accounts and all these YouTubers with their um, ridiculous shows that have nothing to say um, go there and, you know, there was plenty of space for you to, to stand around with a GoPro or iPhone or whatever and and report on this yourself. There's plenty of YouTubers in the D.C. area that didn't show up that decided to smear this rally. And it's just a shame, you know. I don't get it. <laughs> answer that question for you. It's because they hide behind a keyboard because they don't actually want to have these conversations with people in, in public or in person. They really don't. I think, yeah, I think it's just like the America's game, uh, you know, America's game is being called out by um, the people who live in countries like Germany who just got their, um, you know, Nord Stream pipeline destroyed. Uh, people in those countries, people in our country, people in all of these countries that, that think that they're aligned with NATO and the EU, the people are standing up because they're seeing the barrel of the gun. And I think that, you know, their YouTube game is going to be running out soon as well. I mean, like, what what do we do when this war extends Russia's artillery and power three years down the line? You know, mm -hmm. what do we do? What What's going to end it? It's just going to keep going. Um, you know, the minutes on the clock are going to run out. And it's not if it's if they don't lob something over at Russia, you know, there's China to think about. You know, it's it's not just end this war with Ukraine. It's end all future wars and the wars that we started. And it's not just a Republican or a Democratic thing. It's it's every single administration since World War Two. It's been every single administration. No, you're and I right. just don't know how people see it, don't see it. I mean, it's not just right wing. It's I, just, I don't get it. You don't have to be a socialist to be anti-war. You don't have to be, you know, you know, you just have to be a human being who wants to have a future for themselves and their children. And and it's just really sick. It's just a sick thing to smear and throw purity tests at people who just want to um, to end this this U.S. hegemony. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about a nuclear war here or possible like World War III. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I want to go ahead and bring in uh, Brent. Brent, you have to unmute. What's your take on all of this uh, in reference to the rally? Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I'm going to have to push back on uh, the previous caller. 
because I feel that the purity test criticism, it's kind of disingenuous. Uh, let me explain why. So when you have, when you have an anti-war rally, if people have an issue with Jimmy Dore saying uh, inappropriate jokes, he's too loud, he's, um, he's a, uh, I don't know, he, he screams too much, he shouldn't represent us. That's a purity test. But when you have an anti-war rally, it's totally reasonable to expect the speakers to be anti-war. And the definition of anti-war has to be clearly defined. You could go down a list of any other social issue, whether it's the environment. You, you want to push the Green New Deal. Would you want someone who gets funding from Raytheon, Lockheed Martin? Uh, they're getting money from the, lo- from the lobbyists. Do you want them speaking at a Green New Deal rally? Because war is one of the most biggest polluters on Earth. And you, do you want these people speaking at a, at a Green New Deal rally? You could... What about um, LGBT rights? Do you want someone who uh, practices and supports conversion therapy? Do you do you want that person speaking at an LGBT uh, rights rally? What about a reparations rally? Do you want someone who um, practice who preaches segregation of minorities? Do you want them speaking at a reparations rally? I don't think so. So I, I do believe there needs to be certain standards when it comes to who speaks at these rallies. Going back to the anti-war rally, Tulsi Gabbard, she, she wants drone strikes. How is that anti-war? It's just unbelievable how, how she's allowed to speak. What about Jackson Hinkle, someone who sells Z-shirts and believes that Russia was right to use military force? These people need to be held accountable for their hypocrisy. It's just unbelievable. And then for people to say that's a purity test, what are these rallies about? Are they about gathering the echo chamber or is it about convincing people to um, open their eyes and to support an anti-war movement? There are people that I talk to every day who believe that Putin is the only war criminal. And and whenever I I talk to them about expansion of NATO and the provocation, they, they think I'm crazy. And these people... If you want to convince them to vote for certain ballot initiatives that are anti-war, then you need to be anti-war on a consistent basis. And I and I brought this up on Aaron Mate's call. And he got angry at me because he, he doesn't got believe mad? that. We, yes, he did. Because I he, never uh, saw it. every time I've he brings up questions, Aaron get mad. Because I every oh, time ahead. he talks about Russia, I I, I oppose him. And I like we had a conversation. We go back and forth, and and he got angry because he he doesn't believe that um, we should cancel people who aren't universally anti-war. And I disagree with that because war is a global issue, and you need to be consistent anti-war universally. And I feel like if we're if you're not, then people the mainstream media someone's going to find a way to discredit your movement and there's already issues with speakers at these rallies, then there's an issue with the organization, Nick Brana. I have no idea. I, I'm not well-versed in, in, in how Nick Brana does things, and but I've heard he's done some really nasty things, but there's no con- concrete proof of it. But just look at who's speaking at these rallies. 
there's something wrong with the organization who's running these these rallies, and that's a huge problem because if if the anti-war movement keeps uh, keeps rising, it's going to be someone's going to find a way to discredit it, and they're going to point to the hypocrisy of these speakers. And I feel like it should be called out. And for people to think that's a purity test, I I don't think so. So I just want to okay, hear your so thoughts on that. Okay, so let me let me go ahead and address something really quick, just so people um, have an understanding uh, in reference to the speakers. So there's two things. One, again, it was it was brought to my attention after I was there that some of the speakers were not invited. They contacted the organizer and asked if they could speak. Two. It was also very clear to me that it seems like in reference to invites to the speakers, it seems like the invites came from the Libertarian Party organizer. So I just want to say that so people understand like how that transpired. But again, like I, I think Max is going to be on on Thursday and Max will have more information about this. Um, but I, I do just want to go ahead and say that because I don't want people to think that everyone was invited. Everyone was not invited. Some people reached out and asked to speak. Um, so there's that. But uh, I, Cryo, I, I think you wanted yeah. to respond to this. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I did because um, one of the aspects of the anti-Vietnam uh, War rallies was that there were tons of kids there. Kids don't care about who's speaking. Okay, and kids are literally the future and they don't care about, you know, Tulsi Gabbard and, and who she is and um, whether or not she's a, a Hindu Vada cultist or like this is just ridiculous. Um, there's so many different speakers at this event. There were problems with organizing. I think Sabi, number one, Sabi should be on the next events organization crew. I mean, that's a given in my book. But, um, you know, kids aren't, um, hopefully, you want kids to be not indoctrinated in the political ideology. You want kids to grow up and, and be able to choose for themselves. So um, do you want your kids to be alive? I do. And I think if somebody um, is, run is running a an anti-war rally, regardless of um, who's running it, you it's up to you and your group to attend that rally whether or not you were invited and mingle with the group people who are there and and have your own message and if you want people to come to a rally that your organization runs hand out pamphlets hand out um you know get phones and pass out dm um, your dm your instagrams whatever the hell that you tweet all day like i don't it to me this is <laughs> This is beyond ridiculousness to be to say this person, that person, this person, that person. We are literally um, not only with with Ukraine. There's so many other wars that are not finalized. There's so many other conflicts that this country is is considering starting up. Um, it has to end, and it's not. You know, people do have a countries do have a right to defend themselves, and I don't know if you were in on this, but. Like Germany was not supposed to have a standing army ever again, ever again. And they no, did. They, they got one. And then they joined NATO. So I think you need to like do a little bit of research in that area of what Nazism is. And <laughs> come on, get real. Get real. I only know this because I'm done. Have again, a good night. I, <laughs> I love your shows, Abby. 
Okay. Thank you so much, Cryo. Um, I only know this about the German army because like, again, I pretty much grew up in Germany and that is something they did teach to us early on that they were not supposed to have that again because of what happened um, with Hitler and the Nazis. Um, but they did and they joined NATO and, you know, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, there was not supposed to be an expansion of NATO and that happened anyway. So I am familiar with that as well. Um, but Brent, I, I think where I want people to, I don't want people to become too focused on who is speaking to the point that you miss the message of the rally. And when I look at the speeches, not one person got up there and spoke, you know, pro-Russia like rhetoric, not one person. Now I will say, and I've said this before, if I was the organizer, which I was not, there were certain people that I just would not have invited to an anti-war rally. But I think the problem is also, there was also some confusion in reference to, is this an anti-war rally or is this a call for peace in Ukraine rally? And if it is a call for peace between Russia and Ukraine, then technically Tulsi Gabbard is in the right to be there. But, but, uh oh, there's an uh-oh, echo. There's an echo. Can you mute for a second, Brent? But if it is a call to, you know, anti-war across the board, I did give this criticism when I was on Rising. Some people didn't like it, but it is what it is. I said the same thing when I was on Rising that Tulsi Gabbard is not anti-war. She's not. She's not. She is against regime change wars, but she does support drone strikes. I did talk about this this morning on Rising. So. Again, but again, would that stop me from going to the event? No, that didn't stop me from attending because, okay, there's a couple people that are speakers that I don't agree with. So I'm just going to exclude all the other speakers that I do agree with. No, see that that's the thing. And so that's why for me, I was like, again, I signed on, I registered and signed up for this rally early on. There have been some uh, false statements about the rallies. People are saying that people had to pay for tickets. There were no tickets. When you went to sign up online, it was just a registration link. You filled out the information and that's for them to get a head count. That was it. I didn't pay for a ticket. So I don't know where that fucking came from. But this is how the narrative has just been spent, right? So I think the thing is, is that if I were an organizer, who would I have invited? I still would have invited most of the organizers, excuse me, most of the speakers that were at this rally. But I also would have invited Margaret Kimberly. I would have invited Ajamu Baraka. I would have invited people from Black Power Media. I would have invited people from Black Alliance for Peace. I would have invited Danny Haifong. I would have invited like, obviously Gray Zone, like people who are really well-versed in foreign policy. Like there's so many other people that I would have invited. But I didn't organize the event. And when you don't organize the event, you can't really sit back here and say, well, you shouldn't have da 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 da. And I'm just kind of thinking like, then you organize, do what Code Pink did 
and organize your own rally, and then you can invite the people you want. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I think the other thing, too, is that we should make a point of focusing on their list of demands, you know, which was really good. So focus on the demands, you know, not on the individuals. Right, and that's that's another thing. The demands were really good. I mean, one of the demands was to free Julian Assange. That was one of the demands, and I think we all can get behind on that, right? I mean, I think that, like, um, I think that, like, people who covered this, most of them, from what I saw, they didn't even mention the demands at all. At all. Definitely Rachel Maddow didn't mention it, of course. So what does that tell you? Brent? Hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you disappeared. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm still here. So I thought you were. So um, it's, I understand where you're coming from, but we need to understand what, what is the purpose of the rally? Is it to pre, are we going to try to convert people to our, to the message or because I, I understand what you're saying because if the mess, the priority should be ant pushing the anti-war message, the the U.S. corruption. I totally get that. But if if the goal is to convert people that are that are totally unaware or think that you're crazy for talking about sending billions to Ukraine or talking about the NATO expansion, then I do believe that you have to acknowledge that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is also a war crime in order to get credibility with these people. And I, I get think, a lot of put But I think, again, going back to the speeches, that was acknowledged. I, I think going back to the speeches, like people did acknowledge that, or at least some people did. But again, like what is the point of the rally? Again, look at the demands. That's the point of the rally. So for people who are confused, look at the demands. I saw the demands. Number eight is talking about abolish uh, the war, the the em the the war machine empire, right? And and when you have people, when you have people that are pro Russian invasion, that really there's a contradiction, and I know it's, it seems nitpicking, but if if we're gonna convert people that only believe Putin is the bad guy, then you're going to have to acknowledge that both sides are the war machine and they both I, need to stop. I mean, I, <laughs> I think there were multiple speakers that did that. In fact, Pasta did that. Jill Stein did that. Chris Hedges did that. Dennis Kucinich did that. There were multiple speakers that did that. Did you listen to the speeches? I, I, I couldn't listen to all of them, but yeah, I've, I've listened to quite a few of them. Uh, someone talked about um, Congress trying to stop Congress from declaring war. And then Jill Simon mentioned something about Putin had a gun pointed to his head or something like that, like by expansion of NATO. I, I did listen to some of it. I, I wasn't able to finish all of it, but. Well, no, Jill Stein said that obviously she said that Putin's invasion of Ukraine was wrong. I was sitting right there. So I remember what she said. 
that it was wrong. And she also went on to say, she said, that being said, we cannot sit here and pretend like Russia was not provoked. So she talked about both. In fact, she also connected it to the climate crisis. Uh, pasta, Pasta connected it to the profit issue, how war is for profit. Right. So, right. I mean, people had different connections. Dennis Kucinich gave a whole novel. I don't know what, like when Dennis Kucinich was speaking, I was like, this is a long, like he went on for a long time. I was like, Dennis Kucinich wrote like a novel. Like he went on for a long time, but he was talking about like the history of war and the connection. Ron Paul basically got up there and said, all these wars need to go. Like, which you would expect him to say, because that is something with him. He is anti-war, right? Um, There was another one, Kim Iverson, came up there and she was just like, look, like we need to try to prevent a nuclear war. Like this is just ridiculous. Like, and again, do I agree with all of these speakers on every political issue? No, I don't, but I do agree with them on being anti-war. Chris Hedges, of course, gave a phenomenal uh, speech. He talked about the history of war and how we got to where we are now. So there were multiple speeches Not one person, including Jackson Hinkle, got up there and said, Russia is in the right and yada, yada, yada. Not one. Not one. I mean, he didn't say it at the speech, but he did say it outside. I mean, I guess that doesn't, there's a difference, I I guess. I mean, what you you do. So again, I, I think, like I said, like, I think the focus is misdirected instead of being focused on, if you don't like that Jackson Hinkle was a speaker or whoever was a speaker, like I said, I don't agree with all the people that were chosen as speakers, but that in itself did not stop me from attending the rally. And I think if your primary focus is on who all the speakers were and not the message that was being presented at the rally, I think you are allowing the people who are smearing this rally, you're allowing them to win. You're allowing them to get to you. And Caitlin Johnstone said it very well. Someone mentioned it earlier on. Cool Blue mentioned it. Any type of anti-war rally to this level is going to be smeared. So you have to be prepared for this. And that's what I'm trying to tell you again. This is why I was so upset today on Rising. And, And there wasn't pushback against this. But this is why I was so upset is because you know, I left this rally, I'm headed back home, and then I see all this bullshit. And then I just thought to myself, like, man, like, they really know how to try to, like, kill momentum, you know? And I thought to myself that, like, we can't let these people, like, try to stop the rebuild of an anti-war movement. And if you want to talk about the speakers, when you look at the Vietnam War protests, When you look at the people who came out to those protests, you have to understand that not everybody out there was a lefty, but the people who were out there were people who were affected. I'm sorry, but it's just the reality of the situation. You had people who were affected by the draft and you you had people who were affected by what they saw on the news in reference to civilian casualties. But I think that is a part of the problem that we're dealing with today. First, let me say um, to Brent, I do understand the point you're making 
about, you know, the lack of a consistent ideology amongst the people who organized this event. Like Sabrina said, one of the organizers said the idea was to get the biggest draw. And so that is a different motivation than to get the people who speak to this issue with the most integrity. That's a different dynamic. But when, and like I say, we understand that these type of criticisms, which is separate as CJ mentioned and different from attacks, but they're both things being intertwined, but there are some legitimate critiques and then there are some smears and attacks that are not. But when you have an event that is sponsored by, by two groups that don't have an ideological foundation and a history in just calling for anti-war, anti-war, it invites this type of critique and smears. And the more um, ideologically different the speakers are, they some of those speakers can call a big audience, but they have big detractors. And so that's going to come along with it. And so I think, you know, you expect that when you have people like um, Tulsi Gabbard, who has a following, but who also has detractors, her detractors are going to detract. We understand that. So the smears that will emanate from her participation and the participation of people like Jackson Hinkle, we understand. But the idea of these organizers were, was to build the volume. I get that. But like CJ says, there should be other events that grow from this. And there will be events sponsored by groups who are in more of an ideological alignment and have a history of speaking against war and the war machine. You know, to the point that, that Brent was making, you know, there have been these um, world climate meetings organized. And a part of their complaint this year is that some of the sponsors are the corporate people who are causing the most problems. So those type of issues are going to manifest when there are lacks of alignment in the organization and the speakers and this and that. But I think we should not let that stop us from building a more genuine and a more centered um, rage against the war machine because the reality is this was an event. If subsequent events ensue and build, then it will gain momentum and then it, the people who are disingenuous will be fleshed out because they will not want to be in that company. But I think, you know, it is what it is. The event went off. It was reasonably successful for what it is. The people said what they said, and that's that. You know, the smears have not stopped Code Pink from planning another one. And so I think, you know, those type of things are going to occur, but we don't let those things um, detract us. And I think a part of the problem, Sabby, to the point that you were making about the 60s, this war for the United States has been just economic funding for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like you say, we have no drafts, so there is no real direct connection to a lot of people in America. It's transparent to them because it's just money going out. Now, there, there is the argument 
that that money could be best spent at home, but it's not resonating in the same fashion as in the 60s, people saying my son has to go off to war or as in Iraq and Afghanistan, we're sending our troops to war. So it's a, 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 a more difficult sale to make. And I don't think the vast majority of everyday Americans really perceive this proxy war as the um, inducement for an existential threat. I think people really have not made that connection or there would be much more of an organic uproar. So I'm hoping it. No, they haven't. They don't even realize what's really on the line. Like most of the American people are, they're on Netflix. Like, I hate to say it, but they're not, they're not in tune. Steve, I know you've been waiting for a while. You're on the queue. You got to unmute. What's your take on all of this, Mr. Mr. Steve. Um, hello and thank you. Um, I don't know, man, my head always moves a million miles an hour listening to the conversation and how it kind of ebbs and flows and goes different places. Um, but on the subject of the demands and like, I don't know, what, what would you say the crowd was like a couple thousand, 8,000, 10,000? So I asked Jill Stein this, um, at the rally and Jill Stein said it was estimated to be between like a thousand, 2000. Um, I think when I went on rising today, I said approximately a thousand because, you know, I always like okay. to err on the side of cautiousness, cautiousness. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to, yeah. Do the whole like <laughs> Trump, like it was the biggest rally you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Um, I like to underestimate instead of overestimate. <laughs> Yeah, I think that this is a really hard issue because the way it's uh, that war has been kind of folded into the culture wars, because like you can see on conservative side of the spectrum, folks are against Ukraine war and on the right side, as soon as there were balloons, people were like, this is an act of war and we need to respond, right? Like, so it's almost like the the war machine like has been polarized in a way that like all your good liberals got their Ukraine flags in front of their picket fences or whatever. And then conservatives are like vehemently anti-China. And so coming around an anti-war message, I think is going to be very difficult considering kind of different ideas about what the nation is and national power, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I was very disappointed in the, that the demands didn't mention, I know some speakers did. I watched most of them that honestly, like the audio quality was so bad on so many of the streams and, and it seemed like there Dude. were prob- problems on the stage as well. Go ahead. Dude, let me keep it real. Can we talk about the uh, the tech problem? Like the internet quality, just for people, I didn't get a chance to mention this earlier. The internet quality was really, really bad. And at first, like Eric, he's up there as a speaker. Eric will tell you, after the rally, I text Eric and I was like, look, I don't think I can use StreamYard on the ground anymore. I was like, something is amiss. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like Eric was... Because Eric wasn't there, but Eric was in the studio behind the scenes. And Eric would like message me and say, uh, try to keep the phone, your phone still because the wind is like, 
messing it up and stuff. And so I was like, why is the video quality so bad? I haven't had this bad of an issue before. But then like Eric pointed out to me, if you go look at some of the other people's streams who also stream the rally, they have the same problem. So the internet quality was bad. Sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, 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 no. And I've been to a bunch of, I was stationed in Delaware. So I went to a bunch of rallies and protests and shit in DC. And it seems like the infrastructure, which is weird because so many people work downtown. I would assume that the, the infrastructure is strong. So maybe they're throttling it. I'm not going to rule it out, but I, I've, I've had problems being on the mall, uh, the national mall with, with cell service during events. Um, it's a band. It's a bandwidth. Yeah, it's a bandwidth thing is my guess. But I also, you know, it would be completely plausible if they throttled it on purpose. Um, uh, Anyway, like, I've been to several protests and, like, there were, like, 1,100 of us that were arrested at a sit-in at the White House against the Keystone XL pipeline. Like, 1,100 of us uh, over the course of, like, I think it was five or six days. And then the one of the follow-up rallies to that probably had 50,000 people and then the the um uh john uh stewart and stephen colbert did the rally to restore sanity and or keep fear alive and that probably had like 120,000 um and then we went to a million muppet march one time uh this was against uh republicans threatening to cut funding for public television so they they organized like a million Muppet march and a bunch of people made like puppets and shit. It was rad. Um, it was a, lot, a very creative, a lot of fun. Um, but there were probably, I would say, at least a few thousand at that, maybe five thousand or so. So like, I don't know. It's disappointing as someone who's you know <laughs> understands war and conflict and and wants it to end and wants the empire mm-hmm. to end. It's a little disappointing, but at the same time, I wish the demands were a bit more expansive and mentioned China directly because like that is a huge direction of US power, right? Obama did the pivot to Asia. Um and you know, China li- is literally doing nothing and spends so little on its military that one of its its major departments in its military is for fucking like low cost low tech balloons, right? <laughs> well maybe next go round um you mentioned china and i think that's a good point maybe the next rally that's something that should be mentioned as well right like not just about rushing ukraine that is another thing shoot i'm coming up with all these other things now after i did the recap but i'm on a stick note yeah that that is another (laughs) thing that uh I, i will say this rally seemed heavily focused on russia and ukraine and it's not just about rushing Ukraine. There's also the issue with China um, as well, which is where the U.S. government is heading in that direction. I hope people are paying attention. Um, but I do want to play this clip here. This is also from Rising. And this is where uh, Robbie Robbie brings up the speakers. Um, and this is something I want everyone to hear. I think this is important. So give me just a second. Oh, I had it on mute. Sorry. Man, I really suck at the whole mute thing. Okay, here we go. Here we go. By platforming those people, you're actually not platforming anti-war speakers. You're, you're, platform, you're platforming like anti-Ukraine speakers. Yeah, so I want to speak on that for just a second. Um, you know, I wasn't actually an organizer for this event. Uh, if I were an organizer, 
were there different people that I would have invited? Yes. I think some of the people would have been the same, but some of the people would have been different. Uh, so I totally understand that rhetoric as well. But I, I also want people to understand Rachel Maddow had, has talked about this and she's saying there were Russian flags as well. There were also Ukraine flags mm -hmm. and mainstream media isn't showing that. Uh, there's a reason for that. So here is thousands of people getting together to call for peace negotiations. And mainstream media is already smearing this as a pro-Russia, pro-Putin uh, rally here. These are thousands of people coming together asking the United States government to call for peace and to stop giving billions of dollars to Ukraine. And what people have to really understand is I've been a part of multiple rallies and events, and these types of critiques come up every single time. When I participated in the marches for Medicare for All two years ago, that was another criticism that we didn't like the speakers, so you guys shouldn't participate. How dare you have a speaker who's a doctor, a medical professional, who agrees with Medicare for All, who's conservative? Shame on you. So they smeared those events as well. People need to understand that this is a distraction. It doesn't matter who the, the speaker is. There are going to be those voices that are going to attack it because they want to weaken support for it. What people should be more upset about is the fact that instead of giving billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine, instead of giving them packages which include uh, health care, which include clean water, we need to be advocating for those things people right in, in this country for Americans right here. Where's the billions of dollars for people in Flint? Where's the billions of dollars for people in Jackson, Mississippi? Where's the billions of dollars for the Bronx? Where's the billions of dollars to stop the, prop, the poverty and the homelessness crisis that we have in this country? That's what people should be focusing on. Our government has shown us multiple times that they have the money. The money is there. They just don't want to give it to us. So we cannot be distracted by people focusing on who the speakers are. If you do not like the speakers, start your own rally and organize your own base around that. That is just a distraction. I have to be clear there. Sorry about that, Robbie. But that is so frustrating sometimes. No, I... Okay. So there's that. Uh, Rob, you are a speaker. Go ahead and unmute. Steve, I think I lost you. I don't know what happened. Um, but go ahead, Rob. What's your take on that, Rob? Oh, I mean, well, I, I, I went to the rally. I brought my family there. I brought my wife, my two kids. Um, I thought it was awesome. I, you know, I think, I think all this BS about the purity test is just crap. I mean, come on, this is, we're trying to stop an anti-war, a uh, nuclear war. I want my kids to grow up to be adults. And I got people like Sean Penn saying we should preemptively nuke Russia what? on Sean Hannity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Timmy Dore played that clip. He, he was on Hannity a while ago and he said, uh, I forget how he worded it, but it was like uh, we can't not we can't be intimidated to not use our nukes against Russia. So I was actually I was hoping I would get to meet you there, but I mean it, it was crazy. I mean it, it was great. Um, the, the flag thing I didn't even think it was a big deal. I mean I'm I'm kind of into Russia myself now, and I, I almost just brought my Russian flag, but I forgot it. But when I got there, I was like, gee, I'm glad I forgot it because everybody's like making a big deal about the maybe five Russian flags were there. But I, I think like, what if, what if everybody there brought a flag and a third of the people had a Ukrainian flag, a third of the people had an American flag, a third of the people had a Russian flag, but they were all there to end the war. Would that, would that be like a horrible thing or something? Like, I don't get it. I don't get why these people are like so triggered by 
I mean, this is this is really important, and you got to you got to get out there and and show your support for it. I mean, or we'll all be dead, you know. And yeah, I agree on China. We gotta we gotta focus on that too. I just think because you know we're not throwing money into it that you know nobody's that worried about it right now. But yeah, it is. It's definitely a problem. By twenty twenty five, they want a war. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. I was I, I thought it was a great event though. I loved all the people there. That's why I wanted to go. I'd never done anything like this before. Um, so I, I just thought it was great. I was I was surprised like how few police I actually saw that. I think I saw like four cops there. Um, everything was like really just really tame and good, like good good vibes. Um it literally yeah. was like just four cops. Like yeah. Rob is not exaggerating. It really was just like four cops. It was like two part <laughs> cops. Another kind of cop and a, and a different kind. I couldn't even tell what they all were, but it was it wasn't like anything intimidating. No. I mean, it was it was so cool, um, and you know everybody was just really cool. Um, I'm glad I went. You know, one thing I couldn't believe though, I was on the ride home, is how much litter is all over the side of the highways going out of DC. I don't know if you noticed that, but I, I could not believe the amount of litter, litter in the capital city of our country. You know where we where we we have diplomats come to this country, and they they must see this shit all over our highways and think, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, what's what's wrong with this place? Welcome to the new homelessness crisis and poverty. There's a bunch of tent communities as well, and then exactly, it's 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 crazy. Like I remember when I was growing up, like when we went to D.C. for field trips. I remember like my dad used to tell me that like uh, they used to call D.C. Chocolate City back then. And I remember my dad used to tell me that, like, you wouldn't think that the nation's capital, where the White House is, would have such a high rate of crime. But it did because of the poverty situation. Yeah. So there's that. Go ahead, Steve. I want to end with you when I got to head out. Yeah, no problem. I only had one more point to make. And then um, Rob said we're not really spending money on China. And I just wanted to... uh, uh, remind folks that like, you know, just as we were spending money um, to fight Russia in Europe prior to the coup in Ukraine and the direct military aid, um, Romania's uh, Aegis missile defense system, which is a U.S. uh, funded um, operation in Romania, um, went online, I want to say in like 2009 or 10. And then Poland's just went online after a lot of like, uh, you know, uh, production delays or whatever, construction delays uh, went online last year. So like the U.S. has been spending money there just as it's been spending money. It's got its uh, missile uh, uh, defense radar in the Marshall Islands where like we basically experimented uh, on, on irradiating the, the brown people that are native to those islands. Um, we have our bases in Hawaii. We have bases in the Philippines, in Okinawa um in korea (laughs) so like we've been spending money on on that war um as well right like we have a a global military presence so we're definitely spending that money but i did want to get back to the demands real quickly um in addition to them not mentioning china i think that like as we move forward even if we're organizing like say like a small protest at our city council over an issue like utilize smart uh, if you're all familiar with that, you might be savvy. Uh, uh, it's kind of a, 
a metric for assessing um, uh, work projects and stuff. It's like, um, are you familiar with it? Smart goals. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. It's like, so when you're goal setting, you you use smart as like a way to just like structure your your goal or objective, and it stands for. I'm going to probably screw it up. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Um, and that's just a way so that like what you're asking is clear and it fits within your you know, strategic framework of what you're trying to do. And like free Julian Assange, that's great. It feels to me like red meat to a very kind of like insular kind of online group. I don't think in many Americans give a shit or even know who he is. Um, I'm glad they included him, but like maybe that demand could have been made stronger by saying free Julian Assange, pardon um, and, and pardon all whistleblowers and create laws to protect the freedom of press or something. Right. Um, and like the kind of really vague abolish the American empire, like a specific, uh, a smart goal would be like um, uh, begin um, to begin to close overseas bases um, with an objective of having all closed in 10 years. Well, I mean, uh, Steve, Steve, I mean, yeah. that's, that's on that, that demand. It, it's, it's in there, close all U.S. bases abroad and drone strikes. I mean, I, I, I think you, you, no, no, I, given I, the I, demand was kind of short, short shift here. I mean, no, I also I say slash, slash the Pentagon budget, you know, in, in half. It seems pretty specific in general, you know, in what it should cover to me. Sure. Some of them were more specific, like I said, right? Like, but some of them are vague. <laughs> and all I'm simply saying is that, like, if you, if you want to broaden the scope and want people to think critically about the issue, like people that aren't there, people who aren't into it, like. I mean, the other thing you can do, Steve, is is come up with your own list like I've tried to do. It's 11 demands, so feel free to do that and get back to us, too. Sure. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't trying to be particularly critical. I was offering constructive um, feedback. So. Okay. Anyway, I'll have a good night. based all right guys i do have to head out um but thank you guys so much for tuning in yeah um hopefully we'll talk about this more on thursday like i said i i think max is coming on on thursday i have to double check but um yeah max would be awesome i'll see you guys then it it could be i don't know if it's going to be afternoon or evening but i'll let you guys know ahead of time um if you're assigned into my newsletter, if you're not, I'll announce it on the community tab on YouTube or I'll announce it and also announce it on my newsletter um, and Twitter as well. So other than that, guys, 